right. Welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. I am your host, Uncle Steve, and I have some bad news for you this week. The flip-flop thong horseshite guru is not with me this week, and neither is your favorite co-host of mine, Kirsty, in Australia. I am doing this alone. This is really kind of last minute because... If you listened last week, then you probably may know. Um, I usually record on Sunday evenings. So uh, I have to say, 24 hours ago, I was watching Iron Maiden in Denver with uh, Matt, with Matt's whole family, with my daughter Sarah uh, and Melissa from the Metal Chat podcast with Melissa. She was with us as well. Uh, We all had a good time at the show. I'm quite sure that there will be a review of that show coming up in the not- to distant future. But this weekend, it was really going to be impossible to record anything because it was a whirlwind trip. It was uh, you know, working on Friday, flying to Denver on Saturday, and we weren't even there. My daughter and I, we weren't even there 24 hours. <laughs> we were flying. We were already back in, in Texas. So this week, I have an Iron Maiden story for you, another Iron Maiden story for you, and um, it's one that my Patreon people have, gosh, probably heard yeah, a month ago even. It might be, I recorded it a month ago even. But uh, that one, there's another couple more that are on there as well that haven't been heard, that the Patreons have heard. I've got a mini episode, a very, very special mini episode that, uh, it's a big secret that, that no one's allowed to talk about, but that's up on the Patreon as well. Uh, there's a little mini, I'd call it maybe another mini thing that me and Matt did, but um if you want to check out the Patreon, it's Uncle Steve's. I, no, it's sorry, it's <laughs> it's Patreon.com slash Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Uncle Steve Rock. Uh, there's a little bit of problems right now with the Facebook groups because I had to delete my Facebook account, and when I did that, it's huh, I'm trying to figure out how to get it, how to get back to it, and. Um, Eventually it'll get, I'll get back to it. It's just having the time. This was a really kind of a crammed weekend, but, um, real quick, I'm going to give you a couple little things here and we are going to get into this new Iron Maiden story for you. Now, really quickly, uh, if you want to know what I listened to this week, I listened to three albums. I listened to, uh, Black Rain by Ozzy Osbourne. I'm trying to prep myself trying to work my way from his past to his present. Uh, and I just didn't have enough time. I, I listened to black rain. I started ordinary man, but I didn't make it all the way through. I can't remember why I was at work. Uh, and then of course I listened to dystopia by Megadeth. And this is the, of course I listened to the sick, the dying and the dead. I'm just absolutely blown away with how great that album is. But if you haven't checked it out, absolutely go check it out. It's awesome. Um, I did not listen to any podcast this week. Uh, just didn't have time for it or just wasn't in the mood for it. I can't really remember. It's just um, whatever. But um, we're going to get into really quickly the retweets of the podcast and the tweet quotes. There's not very many. Um, so the retweets of last week's episode, which was another Iron Maiden story. The retweets of it were as follows. The Scouser, David Laird in Liverpool, England. The <laughs> one and only 
official detention teacher of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone with his private eyes watching you if you make any move or every move, as the song says. Gen Marutani in Chiba, Japan. Lord Andrew of Sussex in or near Melbourne, Australia. Ron Kramer in Washington State. Jesse the Delivery Guy. Delivery Guy in Illinois. Jesse the Delivery Guy. Belated happy birthday to Miss Delivery Guy in Illinois as well. <laughs> and uh, lastly, uh, the retweets was His Royal Dudeness Dave in the USA. Now, I had three tweet quotes as well. Uh, the first one is, again, from the uh, detention teacher himself, Gen Marutani in Chiba, Japan. And he said, all I can say is this is going to be a legendary episode in the history of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Oh, gosh, it was so much fun. Second up was the official historian and translator of the podcast. She said, that's Kirsty, in case you didn't know, one of my co-hosts, everybody's favorite. <laughs> she said, I loved this story. This guest is an absolute legend. So legend has been mentioned in the first two. And lastly, his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA said, Hashtag Iron Maiden. 30 minutes in, and I can already tell this is going to be the best Iron Maiden story ever. You will be pleasantly surprised whose story this is. I can't stop laughing along with her and with Uncle Steve. So thank you to you people for retweeting and tweet quoting. Now, this is quick, man. There's a lot less waffling when Matt's not here. Interesting, interesting. And Matt couldn't be here, obviously, because same reason. He's still actually in Denver. So, But right now, we are going to get to what you probably really want to hear. A brand new Iron Maiden story. I believe it's number 43. I believe this is Iron Maiden story installment 43. So, meet my friend, Chip. All right, welcome to another episode of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Another new Iron Maiden story for you. And today I have somebody that has been in touch probably in the last couple of months. I have Chip in Los Angeles, California. Chip, how are you, sir? Hello, Uncle Steve. I'm doing great. and Thank you for having me on the show. Well, absolutely. Thank you for sending your story because... If you don't send the story, then no one gets to hear it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I do appreciate you sending hey, it in. You don't have to tell me twice. I will send my story. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, Chip has been into Iron Maiden for quite a long time. His history with Iron Maiden goes back about as far as mine does into the mid-80s. But I'm um, going to go a little ahead of your story here and a little bit right before you got into Maiden just to kind of see where you were at. Yeah. So you told me that in 1986, at some point, you were watching Dial MTV and you started getting introduced um, you know, to more hard rock type of bands. So what bands were you getting introduced to? 
Yeah, so Dial in TV was basically a call-in show, and the number one song for many, many months was Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue in the spring of 86. So them, Striper was another one. Yeah. Um, in, I'm trying to think of the other ones in 86 that were big. There was sort of an explosion. Dokken, mm-hmm. um, a huge, sure. huge video band. So those songs were all really big on the dial in TV, along with Whitney Houston <laughs> and other sort of act, pop acts. Sure. But, it, but I literally remember Motley Crue, and I think your listeners will too, was number one for so long. I think they had to retire it at one point. <laughs> um, and people actually literally called in to MTV. They say it was real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People called in and voted for Motley Crue every day, but that, that was where it was. And I was also, you know, in eighth grade, sort of looking for an identity a bit. Um, and my experience with metal had really just been seeing dudes wearing t-shirts sure. at high school, or junior high. Yeah, you know. And at the time, I'd see the same dudes wearing Grateful. I thought the Grateful Dead was a metal metal band. <laughs> it it comes across that way. Yeah, and, yeah. And like Pink Floyd, I thought they were just like super heavy metal. I had no idea. <laughs> Until yeah. I actually sat and listened to them. Because I was more of a pop radio kid. Sure. You know, Michael Jackson, Prince, the stuff that was on, Madonna. It, metal kind of came to me via MTV, and it opened the whole new world. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So you you saw the metal kids, you said, walking around school, which you, you – yes. Did you go to a big – did you go to a pretty big high school or junior high school? Pretty big high school. And so this was junior high leading into high school, and they were called stoners or freaks back then. <laughs> Freaks. Some they were called freaks, yeah. bangers, or stoners. Right now, a lot of the kids weren't smoking weed at the time, so stoners didn't really make sense. Yeah. So it was just freaks. Yeah, and I remember them wearing like those tall moccasin boots, like you know, out of Prince Valiant or whatever. Oh yeah, oh and yeah. It was just the whole look, and I just remember being fascinated with like that look. And I grew my hair long, or you know, all that sort of stuff yeah. because of that. Sure, sure. Um, and it helped me sort of forge it. But yeah, I did go to a large school. Okay, I mean, not like one of those like. 3,000 people, probably a good thousand person high school okay, for okay. sure. We had many, many clicks, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So, so later. What click were you in, Steve? <clears throat> I'm just curious. I was where kind of, I was kind of a, um, I was the nobody kid in, in school. I was the uh, kind of the outsider, the loner kind of kid, even though I just didn't have a lot of friends at all. And I just, there wasn't really a click of metal heads that were walking around or anything like that. It was like I was the guy mm-hmm. that, wore you know kiss t-shirts and iron maiden or whatever and it's that's why i always think about how big of a school you went to because you must if you see a lot of kids so but yeah i was it was definitely a subset um yeah and and honestly they kind of all definitely hung together but when you're in junior high kids are a little let now they're probably more clicky but back then it was a little more open when it got to high school the lines got a little more divided sure sure. you know and then there was a smoking lounge and that's where those (laughs) were hanging out smoking cigarettes well so, okay, so the same year, 86, uh, you're watching a show, uh, something like a half metal, half hour, like a metal hour type of show. The half hour metal hour, which was before Headbangers Ball. And it was on, I my memory was it was on 12 noon. I was in Colorado time. Okay. Every day for half an hour. And it's the show that started with Carrie King from Slayer walking down an alley and he takes his guitar and slams it into MTV Gong. Oh, cool. If you remember that. I don't remember that. That was where that came. You don't remember that? I don't that, remember that. That's where I first saw Flight of Icarus. Okay. On that show during the summer. And that's where I first saw Turbo Lover by Judas Priest on that show. Okay. And like I said, it was a good year and a half before Headbangers Ball started because they realized the popularity of metal. And we're just going to give it – they literally call it the half-hour metal hour. <laughs> and that summer – 
because um, I think you and I are very similar in that the first video I saw of Iron Maiden was Flight of Icarus, and it was on that show. Okay. You may not realize it was on that show, but I bet it was on that show when you saw it, too. Well, I didn't see it. I heard it. I just Someone let me borrow a cassette. Oh. Yeah, so I I heard a, a real crappy version of Flight of Icarus on a worn-out uh, cassette. <laughs> so, Gotcha. No, I didn't know anything about Maiden other than the T-shirts, and I just assumed they were like, speed metal crazy mm-hmm. and then i heard flight of icarus saw flight of icarus the video which was an interesting video i remember bruce dickinson and i remember thinking he had this like super straight hair i'm like is he a native american i didn't know anything <laughs> um and i remember the song and I apologize if that's offensive no no um see, yeah yeah how dare you uh and also the native americans don't want to claim him uh, <laughs> right um but i remember that song and it had this melody to it. And I was like, this is something that stuck in my head. Sure. It didn't feel like metal, like whatever, like Metallica, Master of Puppets had come out a few months beforehand. That I knew. Yeah. And Maiden was not that. And I like Metallica, by the way, but I knew, I realized the differences. And I think we call it melody, right? And the melodic tendencies of Maiden right. stuck with me. And I love that song. And I basically created a VHS where I would tape videos from those shows and then we had a second – we weren't rich, but we had two VHS recorders, which made us rich. <laughs> yeah. And so you could then edit down into like a master video file. Mm-hmm. So I had – I still can find you that tape of the original <laughs> awesome. one because I think I cut into it from another video or, so, or from like watching another TV show on another channel. So yeah, that, that, that got me going. And I, I, I'm going to stop talking now and let you answer your next question because <laughs> I think we got a lot more to talk about. But yeah, that was the first – first time i ever heard of maiden yeah that's that's kind of the same way i felt when i heard maiden because you'd, you'd see the imagery and you just think oh that's really heavy it's not for me and you hear like say i heard the same song and i just thought wow this i could listen to this this isn't so out there now so 86 keeps on going and you know mm-hmm. obviously iron maiden has a album that comes out that year but before the album comes out you see a video on mtv what did you see Oh, I saw Wasted Years, if that's what you want to talk about. For yeah, sure. yeah. I remember the world premiere of Wasted Years. Huh. Um, and it was They used to world premiere videos. They would tell you, we're going to world premiere a video at 345. Mm-hmm. So basically, get home, <laughs> turn your TV on. Yeah, exactly. And so I remember in this case, I went to a friend's house, one of my friends who actually did like metal. So I was sort of like you, that I didn't really have a – I had friends, but they didn't like the same stuff. Right, was, right. Per se. You know, so my metal journey was sort of individualistic, but I had one friend who knew metal before me who went to his house, Wasted Years video came on, and he cranked it up like, <laughs> so loud. Yeah. And I remember going, okay, I remember those guys. They had that song a few months ago. I liked Icarus, whatever. I'll listen to this. And I was just blown away. Yeah. Because the, the video, and I know we people rag on some of Maiden's videos. <laughs> to me, that video was amazing because you have all the clips from all the old videos. Mm-hmm. Old. The videos are only like two years old, but to me, I thought they were going through like 20 years of history. <laughs> I just assumed there's all this stuff before me. Now I got to catch up, right? Sure. And in that video, if you remember, there's these quick cuts of all the different Eddie phases as it goes in the guitar solo. And I remember going back to that video later saying, okay, I want that poster. I want that t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I want that. I want that. And, and again, it just gave me the sense that this band had so much legacy, legacy of the beast yeah. here in 86 when really they only been they were only around for like well they were only recording for about six years at that point in time and only with Bruce for four years but to me it just felt like oh my god there's so much there I have to go catch up I've got to go do a deep dive this is going to be my new band absolutely and it's because of the wasted years 
That's really cool. That's really cool. So later on in the year, the album comes out. You get it. And what do you think when you hear what? Like you get it. That's obviously going to be your first album, right? By yep. Maiden. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, I got that before I got Liar After Death. Actually, then I got Liar After Death. Actually, I remember. If you remember correctly, and people who are too young to remember, the internet back then was Metal Magazine. Exactly. So I remember reading Metal Magazines, maybe the month leading up to it, and just kind of, again, I wasn't focused on Maiden, but they were there. And I remember hearing about guitar synthesizers. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was interested in playing guitar at the time, so I thought that would be cool. Mm -hmm. So the first, I put in the tape, the first uh, notes of Caught Somewhere in Time are so guitar synthesized out. And I remember going, oh, that's what guitar synthesizers are. You know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa. And then, of course, I knew the second song was going to be Wait a Year. So that, that one two punch just sucked me right in. Sure. And, you know, and we can go through the album, but I remember very vividly that whole winter, the video for Stranger in a Strange Land being on constant MTV rotation along with Bon Jovi. <laughs> um, what was the album? Slippery and Wet. Yeah. And like you would go from living on a prayer to that in like prime time MTV. I'm not talking about the metal hours. So I must have seen the Stranger in a Strange Land video thousands of times. And I loved that song. And so I loved the album. But I also really always associated them with the videos like this instantly. Like I would go back. I had the Wasted Years video on tape, mm -hmm. my VHS. So I'd go back and watch that because I wanted to know who the band members were. Mm -hmm. And that was when I sort of got used to who was who a little bit better <clears throat> yeah. you know, outside of the singer. But I loved the album. And it was just an album I had on constant rotation. And when I listen to Somewhere in Time now, it reminds me of uh, road trips with my parents. It reminds me of hiking in the mountains in Colorado. Mm. It reminds me of like uh, we drove to we drove to L.A. to go to Disneyland, and we drove to the middle of Utah where there's these red rocks. Kind of looks like the inside of the Somewhere in Time tape or mm. you know, the insert where they took a picture in front of mm -hmm. rocks. Yeah. So I just associate that album so much with that time, with being outside, with hiking, and it, it would be probably even though I don't think it's their best album. If you're a desert island, island asking me what I would bring, mm -hmm. I might bring that that album. Oh wow! Yeah, because of because of the memories, sure, and of the time frame, you know. And so I loved it. Again, I don't think it was my. It's my. It might be one of my favorite albums, but I don't think it's the best album. And so it just cemented. And then I went to live, live after death after that, and then filled in the blanks from there. Yeah. So you hear live after death? Did you did it? Mm. Did it? What did you think of it? Well, it got me into. It told me that wow these guys were huge because i remember seeing like didn't they play like five nights in long beach like four nights in hammersmith something like that it, yeah it dawned on me yeah like oh my god they're playing and to me these like huge stadiums i don't think they're that huge actually <laughs> but in my mind they're like one hundred fifty thousand people <laughs> yeah you know sort of thing and i was like these guys are bigger than i thought they were like oh my god <laughs> and so i loved it all I will admit there's a couple songs in Live After that I don't like as much as the original, like Flight of Icarus, for instance. Mm, same here. Um, but it introduced me to so much of it. And then using Live for Death along with the metal magazines, again, pre-internet, I was able to source, okay, this song came from this album. Okay, that's or this tape. That's the tape I'm gonna buy next. You know, or these three songs came from Power Slave. Okay, that's an important one. And so Live to Death was sort of a guide point, if you will, to help me figure out the rest of the discography at that point in time and what to prioritize. Because, you know, there's no Spotify. You don't just right. put on all the albums. You had to be choiceful yeah. to go down to the, the record store. And I don't know what a tape cost then, 12 bucks or something, <laughs> but eight ninety nine plus tax. Right. But, that was like a big expense. So I had to be careful of what I chose to buy. <laughs> yeah. When you're <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're a, you're a kid. For years later, by the way. You say what? I was, I was going to say, well, just ending up alive to death thing. I heard it before I saw. Oh, okay, it. It yeah. Years later yeah. that I saw the videos of it, so it was only an auditory experience for me. Gotcha. Yeah, same here. Same here. Uh, so you start going back and buying things, and obviously you're hearing Bruce. So at a certain point, yes. you had to buy at yes. least an album that didn't have Bruce singing, had Paul on it, and. You hear him for the first time, and what did you think? Yeah, what did you think when you heard him sing? That's because I knew there was another singer again because those we forget <laughs> how detailed those magazines were. Yeah, they would give you like because because they assumed you were coming out of nowhere reading this magazine for the first time, unlike a web page which links to other pages. Mm-hmm. So they would give you the backstory a lot of times. So I knew there was a dude, a bloke named Paul <laughs> Diano. I heard about those albums, and I knew the songs through Bruce. To your point, I knew you know. Uh, Adam the Opera, the song Iron Maiden, I'm not remembering if they, Running Free and Wrathchild. Yeah. I knew those going through Bruce singing it. Sure. So when I went back, I didn't love them, but I liked them enough. And I got the feeling that, again, it, it made me feel like I was getting into this band that had been around forever. And I'm going back to the beginning. And I may not like the beginning, but it, it's part of the story of how they got there. Sure. Um, what I did like was the album covers. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to draw Eddie from the killers album and also there's one i forget which song it's for but it's where he's killed margaret thatcher and she's on the ground uh do you remember that that is that maybe it's sanctuary it could be sanctuary or women in uniform i think i think it is sanctuary. women in uniform is different because women in uniform is where he's coming out of a car with these two women and like there's a i think that the margaret thatcher has a gun but yeah i tried to draw that but because i was in america i substituted margaret thatcher for ronald reagan which <laughs> Might have got me in trouble with the FBI. <laughs> but so that was my sort of thing. And I remember, I wish I could have found the book, uh, Steve, but there was a book that was out at the time that was kind of like the history of Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. And I bought it, I want to say, February of 87. So I'd been into Maiden for like four months then. And that gave me a lot of insight into like even the pre-Paul Diano era. So I was kind of more like a history student for those early albums. Sure. Not in love with them, but like, oh, I'm going to appreciate these. And I kind of convinced myself a little bit that, like, oh, you know, this was a punk time. It's more of a punk type album, uh, you know. So I, I never hated it, hated the Paul albums. I never, you know, thought that they were better than Bruce whatsoever. Right. But I thought it was a necessary evolutionary step. So I wasn't shocked when I first heard it, put it that way. I definitely knew, okay, this guy sings a lot different. Yeah. He's not going to be hitting those high notes. And to be honest, you could kind of make fun of bruce in a weird way and, and certain people have even though i love them <laughs> you could make fun of the whole you know operatic sort of stuff and almost sort of like not crave the paul diano stuff but some people could so i kind of took it as like two sides of a different of a coin or maybe of a different coin sure sure and but but i certainly thought they had evolved and when i think about it today the evolution from killers to no, number the beast not just getting bruce but the songwriting mm-hmm. the complexity yeah i don't know what they did during that time I mean, obviously, Steve Harris has a lot to do with it, um, but wow, you know, and so that is interesting to me, too, as a student of history, how do you go from here to here? It's like going back, and I love doing those other bands. I went back and listened to all the Rush albums, all the Deftone albums, you know, I've gone, I've gone through history of things, yeah. and I kind of like to chart that stuff. So I wasn't shocked, or I wasn't turned off, okay. but I definitely had thought, they made the right choice by going with a, with a guy named Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. So, so by the end of '86, you said you had you had all the their collection, you know, with not all, 
I probably had Leather Death Peace of Mind and Power Slave at the time. Okay. No, I, actually, no, I think I did not have Peace of Mind. I had Number of the Beast because I was told that was the most important one, and mm-hmm. clearly it was. Mm-hmm. And Leather Death and Power Slave, and of course, Somewhere in Time. And okay. then over the next, like, maybe four or five months, I got everything else. Okay, so at the end of that time when you've gotten everything and you've had a chance to listen to everything, do you, what, what, what is yeah. your favorite overall uh, at that point? It's still somewhere in time for me at that time. Okay. okay. Um, with the exception of um, Two Minutes to Midnight, which I thought was – still do. I think it's just such an amazing uh, bit of song. Uh, but, but I definitely thought nothing had taken me away from the somewhere in time, probably until Seventh Sud came out. Gotcha. So speak- it, just, it just stuck with me. You know, it's still part of everything. I was still buying all the T-shirts. You know, I think I still got a few new posters. Um, they only had two singles from Somewhere in Time. I don't think they had a third one. But had they had a third one, I would have been all in next summer <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, of 87 for sure. But also in 87, I'd moved on to some other things too. It kind of opened my metal doors. Oh, sure. You know, sure. and I was I was innocent into it. And then, of course, Headbangers Ball started. And that a whole different story. Right, there. right. And, and honestly, Maiden, Maiden was featured on them quite often. But mostly the older videos, you know, because they only had the two from somewhere in time. Right, right. So you would see, you know, Icarus and Number of the Beast and all those, Run of the Hills, like just nonstop. Um, and so they became constant part of my soundtrack. Sure, sure. So you mentioned a couple years later, they get to yeah. Can I Play With Madness coming out before Seventh Son. Mm-hmm. And I think you said you yes. saw that on MTV as well when it came out? I saw that at Headbangers Ball. I, I believe it was the premiere at Headbangers Ball, but it, it might have premiered earlier. Okay. I remember it because it was Saturday night, and I was happened to be visiting my relatives um, and staying at my uncle, uh, my uncle and aunt's house. Mm-hmm. And I didn't love it, <laughs> to be honest. When I yeah. saw, when I heard "Can I Play with Madness," I thought it was sort of soft, mm-hmm. not soft rock, but just sort of like peppy. Yeah. Um, the video didn't feature the band at all, except for like some some like archive clips. Yeah. There was no guitar solo. I mean, there is a guitar solo, but it's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh man, oh what? I didn't have the words for it then. <laughs> yeah. But if I would have had it then, I would have said, oh my god, they've gone pop. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I would wow. have said that. <laughs> and it didn't play out that way. Clearly, with the album, I don't think that came out a month later. But I, my memory is it was spring break for me. So maybe like March 25th, that time frame. And then the album came out like mid-April of 88 from my memory. And by the way, I'm in 10th grade at that time. I'm 15. Sure. Prime, like, prime, like music, you know, consumption. Oh, era. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> music was so important to me at that point in time. Absolutely. So, <laughs> excuse me. And I, I started to go into concerts, too. Okay. So I made was going to come in a few minutes later. But yeah, no, I saw, I saw some, uh, caught, sorry, I saw can I play with madness? And I did not like it that much. Yeah. But I was, I wasn't going to give up. Oh yeah, absolutely. So seventh son comes out not too far after that. Like you said, and what are you thinking when you, like you turn the album on? Cause I know it's an interesting start, you know, with the acoustic, then the little do, 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 what all comes in. So what did you think when you played the album and, and gave it a shot? That, that actually didn't weird me out at all. Like I must've been really open-minded to like pop sounds, I'm going to say, or other sort of things. Mm-hmm. I was also, uh, well, that was a few months before I got into Queens, right? But I was open to those types of things. Okay. And so that didn't freak me out as much. Um, but I remember I got music used to come out on Tuesdays back then. It was new music. Tuesdays. Right. Right. I definitely had somebody drive me who was old enough to drive down there. Uh, I don't think it was my mom drive me down to get the tape after school. And I remember I didn't, immediately love it but i remember a month or two later realizing i've listened to this tape every day for the last <laughs> month 
so I must really love it. Like, I definitely liked it. I went immediately to um, The Evil That Men Do. Oh, immediately yeah. and then also to like the weird sonic stuff and the song stuff and stuff with headphones on uh-huh. so i went to those two like just like right off the bat i kind of skipped over to play with madness but then it became one where i actually would play the tape and it's well you have to flip it over but i played the tape in its entirety and i found myself doing that well into like the start of that summer of 88 so it clearly resonated for me okay and and it does to this day and i know i'm just gonna say this I know to many people, they, they view that as like the best Maiden album. I think um, on Talking Maiden, they, they, they voted it as a top. I know you guys have compared to other albums. It's funny to me how it's become that. My memory is, and I'm curious yours, Steve, is that the first time I saw Maiden on tour was Seventh Son. Mm-hmm. The, and I've been to the arena, the same arena that, that, that I've been to many times. Mm-hmm. The Maiden show was the first one I went to where it was actually a half arena. They didn't sell out the whole thing. And I had people who were older than me who were metalheads who had actually invited me to go with them to the Somewhere in Time tour, but I was, my parents weren't going to be down for that. Sure. They weren't going to this. So I feel like there was a chunk – and the, the people who were at the Long Beach Arena for Power Slave, I feel like by 88, they had gotten off the wagon of Maiden, and mm-hmm. I don't understand why. I really – I don't think it's the keyboards in Moonchild that throw, I don't think it's that. I think they just got on the heavier stuff or whatever. But it was weird to me because I felt like, hey, this is my favorite band. I finally get to see them live. And by the way, the show was great. Yeah. But it, I noted because I had seen Def Leppard and Tesla at the same place. Uh-huh. I'd seen Motley Crue at the same place. I think I saw Dio, your favorite band, at the same place. <laughs> D- Dio, was a, Dio was not full sold. But the other guys, my condolences. Were like, they were actually, yeah, they actually had seats behind the stage for Def Leppard. Like it was in the round, still behind it. Okay, yeah. The Maiden, I could tell they had moved up the stage and kind of closed off the rest. But I still had a lot of fun. But I regretted that I hadn't seen. Yeah, in '88, I was regretting that I was wasn't old enough to have seen them in '84 and '85. Sure, sure. I sort of <laughs> felt like, wow, was that the glory days? You know. But again, that was, was that your first time seeing Maiden? Was that Seventh Son? Yeah. I, yeah, I did see that tour, um, and that was that was my first Maiden show. And I don't really remember thinking that because that was only my second concert ever at that point, and it was at it was at the same arena I, I had seen Kiss at Tarrant County Convention Center down here. In- Kiss with Anthrax, right? No, no. The, the first time I saw them, you know, it was wow. Kiss with Ted Nugent opening, and because uh, I think Anthrax opened some on that tour as well. I'm glad I saw I saw them in Denver with anthrax and it was an amazing show that's cool <laughs> so i thought maybe you got the same one yeah. yeah i would have i would have preferred anthrax to be honest with you but i'm glad i got to see ted nugent because he he was just like insane on fire he just came running out and just like it was really <laughs> cool because that's what i wanted i wanted just like something intense and i didn't get it as so much with kiss i got it more with ted nugent that night but uh but yeah it was um yeah, I forgot. But that was your first show. Yeah. The first made show was the Seventh Sun Tour. Yeah, and I don't remember. And I mean, I know I've, I've heard a lot about it since then where people have said, yeah, I remember the venue wasn't as full and they don't understand why. I don't really understand why either because to me, when you hear people talk about Maiden, they talk about it like the classic era from from Number of the Beast to Seventh Sun. Mm-hmm. Everything is just highly elevated. And, you know, I elevated as well. But it's elevated. And even though they were really on a downward trajectory at that point, which is odd. So, yeah. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Did, did you go to monsters of rock by the way, that summer of 88? No, the one with Van Halen and, uh, um, Meta- Metallica. Metallica and Scorpions. Nah, yep. that was, 
I don't know why I didn't go to that, but I remember being at home listening to the radio as it was on and hearing Metallica playing like uh, something <laughs> on the radio and thinking, because wow. I think I had a, I think I had a friend that was there, or my cousin was there or something, and and like like now I think it would have been really cool because I I think Kingdom Come was a pretty cool band. Um, they were Scorpions would have been cool to see. Dawkins would have been cool to see. Metallica would have been cool to see. Uh, the only band I really wouldn't have cared so much for would have been Van Halen, to be honest. <laughs> but but it still would have been cool to see the whole thing. So, absolutely. Well, I only mention it a because that, well, our, our stories are so similar, and we're we're exactly the same age. Born in nineteen seventy two. Yeah. Yeah. Same here, bro. Uh, but let's not tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the funny thing was, Dokken, um was above Metallica. In that yeah. Way, yeah. At the time. That just shows you how popular Dokken was. And yeah. not that I'm gonna go create a Dokken podcast. Sure. Somebody should. <laughs> you know, that's um that has to be one of the more unfortunate pairings, you know. Like I've been reading about A C D C a lot and and I hear about these bands that were following A C D C. You know, when A C D C was with Bon Scott and just in there just oh, yeah. coming into their who they really were and just on fire. And then it's like Bands didn't want to follow them, and it had. And I know I've heard stories of Dawkins where they literally said, "Can we play before Metallica because we do not want to follow Metallica?" <laughs> and you know, because Metallica was on fire at that point too. So, oh my God, they were. The one thing I'll say about Dawkins is they trashed all their instruments at the end of my show. Really? Because it was the last show of the tour. Ah. Uh, it was July thirty first or something like that, and they never really. They, they did play again together and they had an album to promote, but for the most part, that that show was the end of the class. And I remember thinking they were just doing it to like kind of upstage Metallica was coming out next. Sure. But apparently they really were mad at each other. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, that age of 15 is when I first started going to concerts. Like my yeah. mom you know, allowed me to go. Mm-hmm. She gave me a credit card to call up Ticketmaster and, and order tickets at 10 a.m. Oh, nice. But back then tickets were maybe like $35, which was a lot of money to me. Thirty-five dollars, maybe. I think my tickets for I think my tickets for Maiden were eighteen dollars, <laughs> so a piece. Maybe maybe I'm wrong then. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I have them somewhere, all my old stubs. But but yeah, that that tour was the first time I saw them, and I certainly felt the power of the band, and I I always gravitated to Adrian Smith, and I'm probably not alone in that. Yeah. So I definitely and and being a uh, burgeoning or wannabe guitar player and lo- having like some of the guitar magazine uh, tablature mm-hmm. i always went to the adrian stuff so i knew the side of not that i could arrange my tickets but i knew the side of the stage he tended to be on sure and i definitely was sort of zeroed in on that for sure um so, yeah, and of course when you left the band was a different story so who opened the show that you went to in denver i wish i could remember i can find out for you was it not recall who because well the show i went to was in July, the end of July, and it was Ace Fraley from Kiss. It was his band, Fraley's oh, Comet. It might have been. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think it of who. Might have been. I'm trying to think of who else opened on that tour. I think because I saw him in June 15th. I have a weird memory of dates. June 15th in Denver of that year. Because I remember um, they also had Vinnie Vincent Invasion open up. Sometimes it looks like that was that, uh, that, during that tour. I, I thought that was somewhere in time where he opened, but uh, let's see here. Wow, check this out. It, Guns and Roses opened for them. In some cities, if you were in Salt Lake City, yeah, that's what I was in thinking. June of 1988, yeah, I did not get to see Guns N' Roses. I know who it was. It was L.A. Guns. So really? My show June 15th, 88 was L.A. Guns. They'd had you know a couple songs. They were not at Guns N' Roses. Well, Guns N' Roses was still growing, but they were not at that level. Yeah, you know they didn't have a Sweet Child of Mine video. And you saw them in what city? I saw them in Fort Worth. Let me see here, Fort Worth. 
You saw them with Fraley's Comet, like you said. Yeah, Fraley's Comet. Tarrant County Convention Center, yep. July 29th, 1988. That was it. That was, And literally, <laughs> two days later, two days later, I saw Aerosmith with Guns N' Roses opening. Wow. In Dallas, in a different venue, but... That was whenever they were, they were, had already kind of started to explode at that point. And, oh, yeah. Cause I, I had heard, um, I can remember hearing, um, I think I heard Welcome to the Jungle on the radio, like sometime during 87. Mm-hmm. And, and on a, on, it was on the, a station that, that wasn't the popular one. And I remember just really liking it. And, but, but you mentioned LA Guns and saying they weren't as big as GNR. To me, they were always, and I hate to say it because I do like LA Guns, but they were, they're definitely like more like a second rate. They're like a, mm-hmm. they're my, I have a friend, he said like LA Guns is a B level band. He said GNR was, oh, yeah. was a level, you know, and there's, but anyway, that, <laughs> well, I saw GNR last year and they sold out a huge, huge stadium. I don't think LA Guns, even if they had all the original members back, whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Well, I'm curious. You're, you're sure it was LA Guns? According to Wikipedia, and I have a rough memory of that it looks like Megadeth was also so basically they had Guns N' Roses in Sacramento. They had no opening act. It looks like Guns N' Roses bailed out. Oh. Then they went to LA Guns for a number of shows. Then a band called Hurricane. Yep. And Megadeth was before you could have seen Megadeth had you been in Cincinnati. In oh, that would have been that would have been fin- wouldn't that have been because I was so you just did a podcast not the date. This conversation so far so good so what but that was what was out at that point yeah I would have killed killed to see that but yeah then Fraley's and then Fraley's and then then they went back to Europe for a bunch of shows that summer including uh, Donington where Guns N' Roses was there and I believe Guns N' Roses actually talked a little trash about Iron Maiden at the time which hey, could have but, could have could have oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised yeah I, I'm trying to look this up real fast because I really want to know if there was more than Denver Colorado. Um, Ah, it's not. So I have L.A. Guns playing in I Irvine, do. San Diego, Wikipedia. It does say L.A. It does say LA Guns played there that same night, so they definitely must have been the opening band. I was just trying to see if there was more, but that's interesting, man. That's because like yeah, for, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, for me, and, and '88 would have been on their Cocked and Loaded tour, which is definitely one that I would have enjoyed seeing too. Um, okay, so, so that was before. Not to talk about L.A. Guns, but they actually had some popularity two years later with that Ballad of Jane. Had that been this album, I think it would have been a different. That was thing, it was that yeah, album. It was that album. I thought Ballad of Jane was like a couple years later. No, okay, it, I didn't realize. Yeah, they had some other ballads that were on uh, Hollywood Vampires, which followed. But yeah, that one, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was '87 or '88 that that uh, that uh, Cocked and Loaded right. came out. Yeah, I actually had tickets to see the Cocked and Loaded tour. It was it was L.A. Guns with Tora Tora and Dangerous Toys opening, <laughs> and I didn't get to go to that because I had to work, and I really was a huge Dangerous Toys fan, and I was a pretty big L.A. Guns fan at the time, and, and I liked Tora Tora to, to a certain degree as well, so I was kind of bummed that I had to miss that. It was in a small arena, small uh, right. place, but um, actually, they it was in the same arena that Iron Maiden played in in 1999 when Bruce and Adrian mm. came back in the band. It was a small arena. I think it was probably set up for a tour with Blaze, is what I think. But um, oh, but it was a uh, yeah. So that was, and I've always the Ed Hunter show. Yes, yes, and it, yep. gotcha. Okay, so anyway, let's get off the. Let's, let's, we have to turn this into the Uncle Steve's L.A. Gun Zone. <laughs> now nah, we're in the summer of '88 zone. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, I wish I could go back to that. Sometimes. Oh man, you ain't lying. I would love to go back and, and witness that show again for the first time because I was a big Kiss fan, and so and, yeah. and I'll be honest, seeing Fraley's Comet, it was 
it was cool, but it wasn't. It was it was a little underwhelming, you know, because for other reasons I won't oh, yeah. get into. But uh, so you well, were you? Did you have Headbangers? Did you have MTV? Because to nah, me, like I never that did. Was, that was my oh, there you go. Because that was like Freely's Comet had two songs that were on Headbangers Ball all the time. Yeah. So like that's why I knew you know his song. Now maybe they were on a radio. Well, I knew them in Denver. I knew the oh, songs, yeah, because I I had because that was that would have been on the second album, which was called Second Sighting. And yep. which I think the song that the single was called insane. And, um, I was a big, you know, I liked his albums. I just, it just wasn't overly, it was cool to see Ace, but it just, Ace just doesn't have, I don't know. He just, he's not the most exciting guy to go see live unless no. he's wearing makeup and platform boots and stuff. So even well, though not I to interview you, Steve, but how did you hear about new metal then? Cause for me, it was headbangers ball. That was magazines. Number one. It was, gotcha. it was, it was Hit Parader and Metal Edge and Circus and, gotcha. you know, and I did have a, I had a cousin that had MTV, so uh, I could, you know, and I spent a lot of time at his house, so, you know, not all, not ton of time, but, you know, on weekends, sometimes I'd be over there and spend the night on Saturday and we'd always watch Headbangers Ball, or he would tape it and then he'd give me the video cassette gotcha. and I'd watch it at home. And so I <laughs> saw a lot of it, I saw a lot of it that way, so. That makes sense. That makes yeah. Sense. Now, okay, so we get up to um, 1992 when Fear of the Dark is going to come out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me back up. Let me back up. We're going between that a little bit. Let me back up here. So around 1990, uh, a couple of things happened, right? Yeah. Before they finished recording their new album, Iron Maiden, Adrian Smith is out of the band. Yep. Before that album comes out, Bruce Dickinson puts out an album called Tattooed Millionaire. And mm-hmm. then after Tattooed Millionaire comes out, and after mm-hmm. Adrian has announced to be out of the band, No Prayer for the Dying comes out. So all mm-hmm. three of these things kind of worked together for you. So what 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 did these series of events <laughs> like? Let's go through each one. You hear Adrian leaves yeah. the band. What, what's, what's your thoughts when you hear Very Adrian? Very disappointed. Okay. Immediately disappointed because he was the guy I I thought he looked the coolest. Yeah. I thought his. By the way, I I still want the white guitar he has from Stranger in a Strange Land. <laughs> it costs like two thousand dollars. Sure. To get all the, the chicks and trip. But <laughs> so I thought I I didn't quite know what he contributed musically. So I wasn't that sophisticated. Oh, his style is this, and we're gonna right, this. right. They're gonna go more to our raw. I didn't know what it meant, but I know I didn't like it. Sure. <laughs> and I thought it was a bad move. Okay, so but then what, what would be the net resulting songs? I did not know. Right, exactly. So then, at the same, you know, in the, it, all in the same kind of time period, Bruce and it might maybe this happened before Adrian was officially out, but Bruce. Now, actually, yep. I think Bruce's album was out first because that's where Yannick came in. Bruce put out Tattooed Millionaire. You heard some of yeah. Tattooed Millionaire. You said, what did you think of Tattooed Millionaire? <laughs> Didn't like it. Um, still don't really. Yeah. The raspiness. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where, also just the attempt at like a style of rock that I just didn't like. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know, very, uh, very, not basic rock, but, but kind of lost. The mystery was lost. The, the allure is lost. The dreaminess sure. of made is lost. It's just a rock. It's just a rock song. With a guy mm-hmm. who I like, I guess. I also <laughs> kind of make fun of him in a little bit too. Yeah, and so, you know, so, you know, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. so I know I did not gravitate towards. If I remember correctly, wasn't the song from the Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, he, the one yeah, bring your daughter to the slaughter was from Nightmare on Elm Street, and then uh, what was the single then? From Tattooed, Tattooed probably this, probably the title, Tattooed Millionaire. 
Yeah, I remember thinking the video was very artsy. I think it went black and white, the color. <laughs> and I do remember seeing the Yannick, who I didn't know was Yannick at the time. Sure. And remembering they're kind of being a weird guitar solo. I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But no, I didn't like it. I didn't buy it. Yeah. I didn't seek it out. And by the way, using the barometer of popularity for MTV, they didn't play his songs very long. <laughs> like that, that, that kind of came and went. Then they went right back to, you know, White Snake and whatever mm -hmm. else was happening time so no i i was not a fan <laughs> well but again i didn't think it would mean anything for the next album though see because you mentioned and, and i know what you're about to say is i'm gonna pre uh, gonna say this in advance but we've we had you know we talked about tattooed millionaire on the show probably in the last month or two and one of the things that matt had said mm -hmm. was that he didn't think that tattooed millionaire hurt bruce in any way or, and, and my, you know, and we've talked, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but we've talked, I know on the phone for sure, where I had a, you know, a guy that said, I didn't listen to any Bruce solo material ever because of <laughs> Tattooed Millionaire. I just was like, if that's what Bruce is about, I'm not interested. And so, but tying. I'm kind of that way. You, this is what, that's where I'm leading to here. Because uh, I said, I can't imagine what Steve Harris would have thought when he heard tattooed millionaire thinking that's my lead singer. And all you think of, like you just said that the mystery of, of iron Maiden, just the, 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 the secret of whatever it was, the iron maiden being iron maiden and only iron maiden. Now Bruce is out there putting trash out and, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and, but when people think of Bruce Dickinson, they don't think of anything, but that's the lead singer of iron maiden. So that couldn't have helped leading into the album. So no prayer comes out after all of this. What what did you think of No Prayer and what about Tattooed Millionaire tied yourself to what you thought about it? Yeah. Well, obviously you could say the raspiness of the scene continued, but I just thought the allure was gone. Um, I don't know. I might be talking about the lyrical content because they definitely had some songs that mm. were similar. But like, I think the first video was the one with them like in soccer shorts, dancing or you know jumping around. <laughs> yeah. It just seems so basic to me. Like, oh, I get it. And also the songs were really raw. And I... Kind of like St. Anger by Metallica. I got the theory <laughs> of what they were trying to do. What a comparison. But it didn't vibe with me whatsoever. Yeah. A lot of heavy guitars to a degree. Uh -huh. A lot of sort of like jangly stuff. Missing the guitar solos. Although I'll get to Jan – I actually do want to talk about Yannick in a second. Mm. Missing all that. But also just being uh, – what's the right word? Just it went from like being up at sort of a lure of Iron Maiden, a high level – it's like, oh, they're just another rock band. Mm. And I got that they were reading the tea leaves. I think they read them about two years too early. That's one of the points I want to make to you. Mm -hmm. um, I think if they would have done one more album in the Adrian vein, if they would have gone somewhere in time, mm -hmm. Seventh Son, third album, sure. progressing all that stuff, and then in 92, like going, oh, we're going to go back to our roots or whatever they said. Sure. That would have been so cool. I think, and I think actually that 92 album would have been popular. I think they almost pre-saw grunge i'm not saying no prayer is a grunge album i'm sure. not saying that whatsoever <laughs> but they pre-saw where hair metal was going they pre-saw where some of the flashy guitar was going away from that so i give them credit for that i just think they went about it wrong mm, yeah. um and i thought the songs just didn't land and i i saw them that tour by the way but i remember holy smoke and what was the other single from that album probably tail gunner Tailgunner. Or you know what? Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter was on there too. And that went to number one in yes. Britain. So I know. They're only number one. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I definitely wasn't into it. And at the time, I had found other bands that I thought were more interesting. 
Queensryche being one of them, mm-hmm. which I hear you're doing a podcast about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's, there's some, there's some uh, word no, out there. Queensryche had taken over in early September of 1990. Empire came out. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was maybe early October. Mm-hmm. No Prayer came out. And part of me thinks because of my – at the time, I didn't think of it as, as drastically as now. Oh, made one from here to here. Mm-hmm. I think I thought of it more as like, oh, I graduated high school. I'm starting college. I've sort of changed my musical taste, mm-hmm. Maidens in the Rear View a bit. Sure. It so happened that their album just wasn't that great. Had it been great, it would have sucked me in because certainly I was still listening to metal sure. in 1990. But it just didn't do it for me. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is the direction they went? Yeah. After like all this and all this fantasy and all these things. And now they weren't singing about like girlfriends and like stuff like that, but they almost were. Yeah. Like they were almost, you know, singing this, no offense to Kiss, but singing the same songs Kiss would sing. That's not what I want out of our mate. Right. You know? And, and by the way, there's a couple of good songs on that album. Um, but yeah, no, it didn't do it for me. <laughs> yeah. I did see them live in January of that year. And that was the second time I saw them live because they were coming to town and I still liked them enough sure. to see them. But yeah, that album was definitely, I bought it, you know, and I bought the, the one after, but yeah, <laughs> it signaled for me that like, yeah, maybe that was something I did in 10th and 11th and 12th grade and maybe not so much now in college. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be like a snob about it. Just that's sort of how I felt like I had moved on, not so much them, but I did know that they had changed a lot too. Sure. But yeah, to me that what if, what if Adrian had stayed for one more album what if they had done something that was just on par with Queen Drake's Empire mm-hmm. or Rust in Peace or Seasons was it Seasons of the Abyss? The Seasons of the Abyss, all those great 1990 metal albums, yeah. I think they would have gone down so much better. Um, but anyway, they didn't do that, unfortunately. Right, right, right. And that's a good point to make because I feel like on No Prayer, they the, the reason Adrian wasn't into it was because they were going yes. in that stripped down back to basics thing. And and what I feel like happened when you said that, it made me think this, I've never really thought this. They took that direction, you know, before they were progressing, you know, from power slave to somewhere in time mm-hmm. to seventh son, like you mentioned, but with this, I think they did no prayer. And then they got to do fear of the dark. And it's like, I think they were just lost at that point. They were just like, well, where do we go from? We went to the, we went to the stripped down model here and, where do you go from there? I think they, and that album definitely is a sound of a, of a band who's about, who kind of knows where they're going, but then they keep making a bunch of wrong turns. They're going to get where they want to yeah. get eventually, but you know, they're taking, you know, six different random detours. And I can remember back well, then not liking that album a lot. And, <laughs> and, and to this day, it, you, like you virtually didn't like it. It wasn't just like, a, eh, like you were like, I don't like it. I remember like listening to it and you know, it was like, I'm an Iron Maiden fan. Iron Maiden put out a new album. I'm going to listen to it. And you listen to it. And back then I wasn't quite as critical, but I just remember it wasn't like you mentioned, it wasn't something you just wanted to play over and over. You heard it. You're just like, eh, okay. And then like you mentioned, you know, you mentioned faith, no more. You mentioned Megadeth and Slayer. Oh yeah. Allison chains. And, and I was big into really all of those bands back then too. And you know, it was the, the style of music had changed, you know, Megadeth and Slayer obviously weren't, you know, along the more alternative sounds like Alice and Chains and Faith No More kind of, they were doing their own thing, but yeah, that stuff that every one of those bands put out a better album than Iron Maiden did in 1992, I think. (laughs) 1990 and 1992. Yeah. Yeah. Because both, yeah, but I remember when Fear of the Dark came out, I remember reading the magazines again. And I remember, and I wish I could find it, articles saying, well, this is sort of a return 
like even then they were saying this two years after less than two years after yeah. uh, the failure quote unquote of no, no no prayer i remember metal magazine saying the fear of the dark was sort of a return to classic maiden i think it was half and half to be honest Ooh. and there's a couple songs that are kind of a return to that uh the, the title track being one of them and um but but most of them weren't mm-hmm. but i remember going okay I'll, I'll pick this up i remember fear of the dark being really long like a lot of songs mm-hmm. like just overpacked and and i saw them that tour but i was actually working at the event security staff I mean, they played at red rocks okay but i was so it's it, it shocks me that i was so disinterested at that time and i can't believe that i was <laughs> yeah now you know because i'm i love them now even more than i did then yeah but in 92 I was 20 or about to be 20, you know, I had a lot going on. I was working the event staff and I remember being excited that I got to work it, but I wasn't like, Oh my God, I get to see made free and I get to stand there next to the t-shirt, you know, place and yeah. where, where this uh, event set. And I had a great seat. I actually got to see their stand. Mm-hmm. I saw the whole show and I've actually gone back and looked at the playlist mm-hmm. and they actually had the set list. They had some good songs, like some deep cuts, if I remember, Yeah, but it just didn't register for me. So I don't know. Did you see them in the 92 tour or were you like at that point, ah, I'm not going to see them again. I was still, yeah, I was still in. I was, I was definitely, I loved going to shows and if, if Iron Maiden was coming, I was going to go at least at that point. So uh, I did see the show. Gotcha. I don't, I don't really remember anything about it except that I came home with a poster just a huge, huge Fear of the Dark album cover poster, and nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember getting a shirt. Uh, I don't, I don't remember getting a shirt on the No Prayer tour either. I remember getting multiple shirts on the Seventh Son tour, but um, yeah, I, I don't really remember. I don't really have any recollection of the show. I think Testament. Oh, and that's a good question. And somebody else opened. I, 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 I'm trying to remember who it was. Two heavy bands. Like it, it was just an right. odd billing because I guess I guess they thought well be quick or be dead is fast and heavy so we'll I don't know I guess they were just trying to yeah draw I think they were just trying to draw a crowd they were like okay let's this will draw more of a crowd because Testament's an up and coming band right now and or you know whatever and yeah I don't that makes sense. but I don't really have any I have no recollection of that show so. Mm. I wish I had more because I saw again. If your listeners know where Red Rocks is, Colorado, oh yeah, beautiful outdoor arena or uh, amphitheater. And by the way, that's where my high school graduation was. Oh, so cool. Growing up in Denver, you go to Red Rocks all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, that show was actually packed. So contrary to my memory of this sports arena, which was half full, Red Rocks was pretty full, but I think it had less people, so it feels more full, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was a in my head, it would have been a beautiful experience if I remember it. <laughs> you know, uh, and I would kill to see them at Red Rocks now. Oh man, yeah. I wish they were playing Red Rocks uh, next month when I go like see three them. nights at Red Rocks or something like that. Yeah, I-, I will say this: when I saw them on the No Prayer tour, they played a smaller venue than they played on the Fear of the Dark tour, and on the No Prayer tour, Anthrax opened that show. Oh wow! Yeah, so and Anthrax would have been on Persistence of Time, I believe. Which is to me, yeah, 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 yeah. still with Joey. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's one of my favorite Anthrax albums. I think it's great, and I just, wow. I just, you know, that they played a bigger place on the album, which a worse album in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah, it's weird how that is. Um, I do remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it known that Bruce is leaving? Like, I don't know if it was before the album came out or shortly after. I don't think it was. Hey, this is his farewell album. I don't think it was that. Yeah. But I think it was shortly afterwards that it, and I know obviously I've just, I've watched the videos of that, the ones in, uh, 
uh, London or England, the final shows of the magician. Yeah. Have you seen those? I've never, I've never seen that. I've never seen it. I downloaded them. Uh, the magician stuff's really annoying. Yeah. That's what I've heard. (laughs) It's very 1992, but, but I remember, (laughs) I think I personally think they made the decision to highlight Bruce's leaving to goose ticket sales along the way. Sure. Like this is your last chance, kid. You better see it. Um, but I remember being all amicable. It certainly wasn't like, you know, some of those other band breakups where, you know, you read about it in the, the newspaper, quote unquote, the next day that they fired Bruce Dickinson or whatever. I remember it being known that he was going to leave and kind of having a countdown clock. And I think they toured for maybe like a year or so. Yeah. So it was a long tour, you know, for yeah. sure. And I do remember radio stations at that point had like a heavy metal hour and Fear of the Dark was played. It was the first Maiden song new that I'd heard any radio play in probably four years since Can I Play With Madness. So they had clearly done something with that song, mm-hmm. which I know you guys have had tons of podcasts about that song, and <laughs> I don't think it's the greatest song either. I do think it fits live shows better, yada, yada, yada. Um, and that's why that's taken off. But it is sort of funny that there was the they, – they, they, they were able to kind of have a nice farewell moment. And one of my what if questions, and maybe you guys have had a podcast about this. I'm not. What if they would have hung it up at that point? Uh, what if there was no Blaze era, and they came back in the 2000s because there was money to be had? Like, what, what what would it have been different? I mean, did they need to go through the Blaze era to get to where they did? Could they have picked up right where they left off and had a, bra- a Brave New World come out? I think from a from a fan popularity standpoint. In America, at least, I think they could have come back in the 2000s without having the 90s at all mm-hmm. well, after 92 yeah. and had a comeback. Um, but I think overseas in South American places, had they not continued to tour throughout the 90s with Blaze, I don't know if that would have been as large as it is, which is, you know, the bulwark of their fandom sure. is really international. You know, so I'm curious, what do you think? What if they would have stopped in 92 and and not done anything until Brave New World or whatever it would have been I th- uh, eight years later. I think, you know, like you said, I think it could have been something that was doable. I think they could have just went away and came back. But if they would have, I don't know. It's really interesting. I've never even thought of what if they would have just stopped. And But I think that the band, you know, Steve Harris was not going to be stopped. Steve. And, yeah, I mean, I think it was good for them. I, you know, I'll say this. I think it was really good for all of them because Adrian went out and did not succeed the way he had in Maiden. Bruce went out, and while he put out some fantastic albums, he was nowhere near the. I mean, I saw him in a small club, you know, on his mm-hmm. one of his you know album tours. He wasn't doing what he was. Doing. Maiden wasn't doing what they were doing, and I feel like, and I know I've mm-hmm. heard Adrian even say after the fact, he appreciates it so much more now. Because he knows what he had, what he didn't have, and what he has again. And I feel like if they would have went away at that point, they it, I don't know. It, it, they might not appreciate what they have now. Maybe they wouldn't have lasted as long now. Who knows? It's, it's really... Yeah. But, and you are right. Steve wasn't going to stop. And when people ask or talk about, well, hey, Judas Priest versus Maiden. Why isn't Priest you know, as popular as Maiden? They never had a Steve Harris. You know, they never yeah. had, you can argue, you know, Glenn Tipton sort of did some of that stuff, but they never had a Steve Harris. Most bands don't. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're and, right. You know what I mean? And that man was going to keep going, whatever he was going to do. And he was going to keep the Iron Maiden 
I don't think Steve ever wants to quit, by the way. And that's my actually other question. And I don't want to jump ahead, but Go ahead. could you ever see, could you, who would leave the band? Who were to leave the band would make you stop wanting to go see them live? To me, I think <laughs> if it came down to only Bruce and Steve yeah. and everyone else was replacements, uh-huh. I think I'd still go. Um, um, yeah, I think I would. I don't, I don't know that I would stop. I think really the catalyst is Bruce at this point because you could get somebody to, you could get somebody in there to sing the songs and and I think it would be but I don't think that I don't know I feel like at this point let's just let's just go in order here right the I would say and 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 I love everybody in the band but I think Nico is definitely replaceable I think yep. I think that even though he's got the biggest personality in the band, I think that, you know, cause Steve Harris's nephew, uh, Joe Lazarus, I think that he could do the job for a tour. I think if Nick, I really feel like they want to go out with this band. And I feel like if, if Nico was going to retire, they would finish a tour and, and maybe mm-hmm. they would continue without Nico. Maybe Yannick, I could see because Dave and Adrian were together before Yannick, I could see them, I could see Yannick leaving the band. I don't ever think he would leave the band anyway, but let's just say he did. I think they would continue without Yannick. Now, if Dave, now with Dave Murray leaving the band, I don't know they would continue. They might, but it seems really hard to think because he's been there, you know, since they recorded that first album, he's the only other guy with Steve that's done it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if Steve's gone, I think the band's gone. And I think if Bruce is, so I think that, and Adrian, they already continued without Adrian. So I think, really, I think if it's Steve gone or or Bruce gone, that's when the band would cease. Because I don't think yeah. Steve's going to say, let's get a new singer. You know, we're almost 70 years old. I don't think at their age, you know, if it was 20 years earlier, we already know. <laughs> we already know what they did 20 yeah. years earlier. So, yep. but yeah, I think, I think barring Steve or, or Bruce, do you, do you agree with that or disagree with that? That, that's exactly my point. I think Steve or Bruce are the two linchpins of the band. Bruce, obviously, as the front, not just his vocals. Yes, you could hire someone who sings. You can find somebody on YouTube who sings just like him, mm-hmm. like Journey did, right? <laughs> um, but but he's not the same showman. Like Bruce is is a show unto himself, Absolutely. and Steve is the bulwark of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he does the the, the rifle thing with him. <laughs> who else is going to do that? <laughs> yeah. but no, not to downplay him, but no, those two guys to me would be the reason to see Maiden. Because um, I recently saw on the news that Gene Simmons said, yeah. you probably saw this. Oh, yeah. yeah, I heard the interview. I could see, and honestly, Kiss is the one band that probably could do that. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, we've never seen a Kiss without Gene and Paul. Mm-hmm. So that's all stories are moot until that happens. Right. I don't think I don't think society would, I think they would look at it as a Vegas review, but I don't think any new Kiss music would be sold without <clears throat> Gene or and Paul, regardless of what they call themselves. Right. But again, people could put on makeup and do that. I don't think Maiden could do that. I don't think they would ever become like, I think there's Foreigner and bands like that where there's no original members whatsoever. Right. I don't see that happening with Maiden. Um, but my hope is that they're going to keep touring. Um, I know next summer they're doing uh, the Walken, Walken uh, Festival. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious what that set list is going to be in 2023 because they've already gone past the Legacy of the Beast commitments. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do a full Senjutsu or a more mixed set? Or are they just going to do something completely different? Yeah, well, you know, are they are they yeah. are they in a new album cycle? For all we know, there's 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 rumors right now that 
that they might be doing somewhere in time set list or something. And I, oh my gosh. I, I've heard, I, I saw a video about it. Uh, and I just, I've talked to a couple of people about it. I don't see it happening. I just think it's, no. it, could they do it? Sure. You know, someone, someone said that he went to a Bruce Dickinson spoken word show and he and he said <laughs> you didn't have a good time with that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't my favorite night, but it was it was a good podcast for a night, you know. So it made a good podcast. Um, but he said that someone asked Bruce, "Will Iron Maiden ever play Alexander the Great live?" And he said, "Bruce just straight up said, yes, we will.'" And so, I, and he said it was so matter of fact that I feel like that we could pos- that it could possibly happen that they could do a somewhere in time tour with all wow. the there's little clues coming out and things and it's interesting to think about but I'm just like I don't like thinking that far ahead I want to be surprised I like the element of guess what we're going to do bam you know right. and you, you got right. people that look into every little okay yeah if you look into this tour poster there's this little constellation that's the same exact constellation <laughs> that was on the wasted years tour poster back in 1988 or 86 or whatever it's like you know, it just kind of takes away. I, I like the, the I like surprises, and so, but yeah, yep, but yeah, um, yeah. That yeah, that was how we got into this. Like, what if they would have stopped after Fear? Because I kind of stopped. Yeah, listen to Maiden after Fear of the Dark. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't listen to the Blaze stuff, man. Yeah, I, I didn't at all. Like, I remember I didn't even give it a chance. That's even weirder. Yeah, like I was so just in a different world and it wasn't all alternative music and stuff, but cause I still, like I said, I still listen to, to metal, you know, corn came out in 94. I was listening to that. Sure, sure. So it wasn't adverse, but, but I just had no interest. And I remember seeing, you know, one of the, I think the first, the first place one at like a used CD store. And I, I have a memory that I might've bought it mm-hmm. and listened to it and, and just kind of put it in the back of my, but I don't have that CD anywhere. Sure. I don't know if I did or did, but I just didn't like it. Um, and this has been said before, but his, and Blaze is a nice guy and I know people yeah. like him and he held the band, but his vocal stylings to me are so overpronounced. Um, there is a British actor that he sings just like this British actor talks that he's in the show, what we do in the shadows, mm-hmm. Matt Berry. Mm-hmm. And he's very pronounced like, I am British and I'm going to sing a song for you now. <laughs> it's going to be Iron Maiden. Yeah. And it's so funny because when Blaze talks, he doesn't sound that up and high and mighty. He's very, you know, the streets. Yeah. But his vocal styles were so, it just wasn't for me. Okay. Um, and, um, and, and obviously I'm not alone in that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and I respected them and I still saw the t-shirts around every so often. But to me, and people forget this, when you're, we're in the mid-90s, the 80s were almost like a joke. Like uh-huh. we weren't nobody in the mid 90s were like, oh man, I sure missed the 80s. I wasn't at least. Yeah. It wasn't until later. I do remember going to 80s parties in the 90s. Uh-huh. But again, I thought everyone's my age. You're my age too. Yeah. So we're in our mid 20s at this time, looking back on our teen years. But I wonder what it would have been like had I been in my mid 30s looking back on my mid 20s, where you isn't that different? Like, I could have, so I kind of wrote off all the metals, not all the metal stuff, let me say that. But I kind of wrote that stuff off as kind of being in my past, not in my present and future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like made it gone the way of that, you know. And I remember Bruce having a couple solo things and they didn't really do anything for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I kind of just moved on in general. And, and I, they weren't the only band I moved on to. Like, I wasn't listening to Judas Priest when they had. Ripper Owens either. So, you know, I kind of was that. I kind of lost even interest in Slayer 
after their 94, um, was it 94? Yeah, Undisputed Attitude. I kind of lost interest in Slayer. I started against like the White Zombies and the Marilyn Mansons of the world, you know, that type of stuff that kind of just had more dynamic music. I guess that's the word I'm going to use for it, dy- dynamism. Things were kind of up and down and exploding and like loud here, soft here, mm-hmm. you know, versus just like a straight ahead rocker. And, and that was where I was at for, for quite a while. Um, and then Electronica, you know, all the sort of great 90s stuff, uh, Radiohead, etc. cetera. Um, but then, of course, you know, there was another chapter to be told in the Maiden story. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So as we get there, like you, you, you told me that. You hear about Adrian and Bruce coming back in mm-hmm. the early or you know oh, yeah. late nineties, and what yep. what was your on a scale of one to ten? What was your excitement level when you hear this? It was probably seven because I was a little muted. It would have been ten had it been you know ten years earlier or whatever. Uh-huh. So it was probably about a seven at that point. Very interesting. I think it was around the same time Rob Halford was coming back, or maybe that was after. Maiden, but I remember both being similar and both of my mind have muted high expectations as to, okay. But again, I sort of felt the world had moved on. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what an Iron Maiden album in the 2000s would sound like, except maybe a throwback. I had no idea, you know, and, and, and just didn't, I thought it was, it was nice and I supported it and I'm glad they're coming back, but I definitely wasn't like, oh my God, I'm getting it day one. I, I, I remember I probably got it like a month in or so, but I was definitely happy. And I thought it signaled a good return, uh, but I wasn't ready to like break out the t-shirts again. <laughs> so, so you you hear those albums though, and you you told me that basically, yeah, Brave New World, Dance of Death, Matter yeah. of Life and Death, Final Frontier, Book of Souls. You're going through, and you, you yeah. hear these albums when they're coming out. But I got them all when they came out, or downloaded them um, through sources. Sure, sure. <laughs> LimeWare, yeah, yeah, things like that. Um, and I remember being like, okay, they're kind of good, and they washed over me in a bit. Um, and Brave New World, no song stood out to me at all. It just was like, okay, cool. And I remember I, I read reviews like all the time. This is like the beginning of the web, so I remember reading reviews saying, okay, the guys are back together. The hope is there. Maybe maybe the next album will be better. So I, think, I don't know what review that was, but I remember going into it. Going, okay, uh-huh. they're back. They need another time to go. Looking back, I was wrong because Brave New World's one of the best albums. Yeah. But yeah, I got that one. And then they went in a three-year cycle, right? So every three years, 2000, 2003, 2006, they had a new album. And I got all three. Matter of Life and Death did stand out a bit more to me than the first two did. For sure, um, because of reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg and what was the other lead song off that one? I'm trying to remember. Might have been just different um, world. Yeah, I don't think it was that one because I don't actually like that song so much. Uh, it's okay, but but those kind of stood out to me, and I do remember listening to that a bit more. And also, I had bought, or yeah, I bought the Rock and Rio DVD, mm-hmm. but at the time. I bought it as a throwback. And what 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 track selection do you think I went to? Power Slave. <laughs> no. The classic. Sure, sure. I, I skipped all over. But I do remember Blood Brothers. And I remember the crowd, I think it was Brazil, obviously, mm-hmm. singing along to it. I'm like, oh, my God. And I was proud of Iron Maiden, if I can say that, for having all these fans mm-hmm. down there that like loved them as if it was still 1988. <laughs> and I remember thinking that. Again, I felt sort of snobby about it now. But yeah, I did. They didn't resonate for me, with the exception of a little bit of Matter of Life and Death. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then Final Frontier came out four years later, and I remember reading reviews. Oh, it's kind of prog rock, and I liked it. 
I, I didn't like what I was supposed to like, which I think was coming home. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I think that was the one, you know, hey, you guys are supposed to like this. Yeah. But leading up to, but the funny thing is leading up to that album, Maiden had decided to go back to their roots. They had done Made in England. They had done mm-hmm. um, the Flight 666. So they were fully embracing their path at this point, despite what Bruce said. You know, sure. Of like we're gonna we're not gonna become a, a throwback band, and they'd never a throwback band. Mm-hmm. So I was very keen to be. And I think a lot of America was sort of keen keyed up on Iron Maiden in the later two thousands because of Flight Six Six and things like that. So for me, the appetite was a little little deeper when Final Frontier came out than it was for the others. But it still didn't really do anything for me. I thought it was really long. Yeah, a lot of good songs. I don't haven't really digested them, and it just kind of all fell into the ether, you know. Like, okay, good stuff. I'm glad they're making music. Sure. I didn't feel compelled to go see them live. Mm-hmm. Did you see them live during those times? I, I think you did. You said I saw. I saw them after the Final Frontier tour on the Made in England tour, and I, I will say this: I think that, and I, and a lot of people have acknowledged about Iron Maiden is they figured out what to do for their fans. Like one one tour. Yeah. Is made in England the Seventh Sun tour? The next tour is our new album tour. The next tour we're going to go yeah. somewhere back in time, and we're going to give you Power Slave and somewhere in time, and then the next tour we're going to do our album again, and then the next tour, you know, so whatever. And then now we're in, you know, last year we are last. Golly, I'm saying last year, five, three or four I years ago, you. we got Legacy of the Beast, and we're kind of still getting it, but you know they're combining yeah. it with the new tour. But I think uh, that I saw that one. I'm sorry, you asked me that. I saw. The Made in England show in 2012. That was my first show to see since I had seen them back in like 2000 on the Brave New World tour. I wasn't even there to see them. I was there to see Rob Halford. Um, (laughs) I mean, that lineup is still a great lineup. It's Queen Strike, Rob Halford's band, and Iron Maiden. I mean, what a lineup. And uh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't see them since. I saw them on this tour and this is the, when I was back, I was like a couple years back into the band, like hardcore. And I was, you know, starting to listen to some of the newer albums, you know, like matter of life, matter of life. And that's the one that I really kind of that grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brave new world had grabbed me at that point probably. But man, I remember going to that show and I can still remember being with my friend and they were opening, you know, I knew they were doing that tour. I knew that they were going to open with Moonchild. And it was just, mm. it was insane. I just can't even describe. I was literally jumping up and down. I mean, like I had tears in my eyes when they came on with Moonshot. I just couldn't, it was just like so amazing. Like this is the first, it was, it was almost a rebirth show for me. It's like the first show I saw was Seventh Son. Yeah. And now the first show I've seen in 11 or 12 years, it's the Seventh Son. It's opening <laughs> with Moonchild. A lot of people have never even seen him play Moonchild live. I'm like, I've seen him open with it twice. That's really cool. But, yeah, I missed that tour. I wish I would have gone. Mm, yeah. Again, it's so funny. I think at the time, I think it was during that time when they weren't playing in Los Angeles. They were playing um, about two hours east to here. Mm-hmm. But I don't don't quote me on that. I know during the uh, Book of Souls tour, they didn't play in Los Angeles um, at all. So I, you know, it didn't even come across my, my yeah. opportunity to see them. Sure, but um, but I did have some friends, like old metalhead friends, who came back in the maiden because of flight 66 and they went to the final frontier tour mm-hmm. and i don't think they were happy <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. that, that wasn't the one where they played the whole album but they played a lot of final frontier and i don't <laughs> think they were happy at all for that that show and i'm glad i wasn't there with them because i would have enjoyed yeah. just the experience but i wouldn't have liked to hear them complain about sure it. sure but um 
but but yeah, then Book of Souls came out, you know, many years later because they were taking a longer time. And I remember the reviews. And again, maybe not all your listeners care about reviews, but I do. Mm-hmm. Being so glowing, like like traditional journalists who turn their noses up at Maiden were writing about it. This was an amazing album, mm-hmm. you know, blah blah blah. I didn't hear it. I have <laughs> I have a theory on that. Like Book of Souls as much as other. People. What's your theory? My theory is it was because of Bruce because he had had cancer and he had went through, and I think that yeah. they got a lot of sympathy for that. And I, it you know. It makes sense. I totally understand it, but yeah, I I heard the album, and there's I think there's some fantastic stuff on that album. But then I think there's some stuff that's not so fantastic, and and which is totally fair. A, a band almost forty years into it gives you an eleven song album, and six or seven of the songs are really, really, really good. That's pretty good. Yep. You know, I'll take Absolutely. I'll take that. But yeah, I know what I you think mean. It was just diminished expectations, and also. Iron Maiden should never, ever use a cowbell. Never <laughs> use a cowbell. Yeah. That is not what I want out of Iron Maiden. That's what I, Bruce Solo, fine. No, no, no. He's not a cowbell, man. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest with you, the, not the cowbell, but I was a really worried about Senjetsu. You know what I thought the album was going to be like? I thought it was going to be all like writing on the wall. I thought it was going to be like this Adrian um, and Richie Kotzen sort of like ah, rock metal. Gotcha. And I was like, uh, like acoustic. And obviously, it was not that. Thank God. But I was like, I don't. I may not be into Maiden anymore, like guys. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And, and but 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 at the time, and, and I jumped ahead a little bit. Yeah. yeah so, Duke of Souls came out. I bought it. I listened to it. All that. I thought it was interesting. But it didn't really do anything for me. I remember the Book of Souls live chapter came out. I thought that was even worse, personally. Okay. I just did not think it was a good good recording. I thought Bruce's voice was a little all over the place. And of course, I'm the mean guy talking about a guy who just yeah, said cancer. It is what it is. It that is was what, what I felt, you know? Sure. Um, and, but then, and you might have been ready to ask me a question about this. It was a podcast I heard in the summer of 2018 that got, well, first off, back up. I started looking at podcasts. I started looking to search for some of the bands I liked that had long discographies and see what podcasts were out there. Okay. I found one for Iron Maiden that we both know and love called Talking Maiden. Of course. By a couple of nice guys from Newfoundland, Canada, I believe. Yeah. And they were such fans of the new era. And the al- when I first clicked into them, they were talking in detail about the new reunion albums. And I, frankly, I was out of a job that summer. I had time on my hands. I was doing hikes, and I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back through these albums, like one a day or maybe one every two days, and I'm going to go through them in detail because to me, I couldn't tell you the names of maybe four of the songs. I knew, mm-hmm. you know, they just all washed over me. Sure. Whereas in the earlier albums, I knew every song. So I, I started to do that, and I'm so grateful I did. I would not be talking to you today. I would not be wearing an Iron Maiden T-shirt <laughs> like I'm wearing right now. Yeah. I would not be going to see them in a month from now. I wouldn't have seen them three years ago. It just brought me back and made me realize that all this music that they came out with in the reunion album wasn't just an an and to the story of Iron Maiden, but was an and but mm-hmm. an and yes. You know, it was a real great and that's where I came to the conclusion that Brave New World I alternate between Brave New World and Matter of Life and Death between which one is quote better. I think Brave New World may have a better collection of songs, but Matter of Life and Death is a better album statement and currently it's my second favorite iron maiden now mm. so, you know i was up there with that and, yeah. and the final frontier is is not too far behind uh dance of death a little lower book of souls lower than that sure but those albums are in my and i really wish they would like 
honestly, with the new tour coming up, I wish they would play a few songs from those albums that they're not playing. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure other people do too. Sure. I actually wish they wouldn't play Klansman and, and um, Lord of the Flies. Is that the one? I, I know why they play those, um, but I, I kind of wish they wouldn't because <laughs> uh, there's some songs I've never seen them play live. Yeah. You know, that, that I have to go find on YouTube. Like some of the songs from uh, A Matter of Life and Death that they played in the tour where they did the full album in its entirety. Oh, they yeah. never played those songs again. Yeah, so, you're right. So, yeah, I, I feel like I missed out on an era where I could have gone to those shows. When the the diehard old fans were mad, I would have been happy <laughs> had I been in the right headspace. <laughs> yeah. But that was t- it took me 10 years to get there, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm glad it did. Yeah, you, you definitely, you missed out. I missed out. It, it sucks, you know, because I would love to have, I mean, like, like, I, like, think of this. I went and saw the Brave New World Tour, right? They played, they would have played um, The Ghost of the Navigator. They would have played Dream of Mirrors. They would have played, you know, Brave New World, Blood Brothers, uh, Wicker Man, and five or six songs. And, and, yep. and I love that album, but I actually saw that tour and wasn't really interested. <laughs> I mean, like, to think of that, like, I go back and I'm like, that should have been the greatest show I ever went to, Iron Maiden. Rob yeah. Halford and Queensryche. <laughs> and I literally was there to see Rob Halford and, 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 and Rob Halford knocked it out of the park. But yeah, we missed out on a lot, but you know what? I mean, the good thing is like one great thing for us is rock and Rio death on yeah. the road. Um, the, the, um, in vivo, in vivo, the book of souls live. I know you, I don't know if you, how you feel about the book of souls live chapter now, but I, I didn't used to like that as a live album, but the last time I played it, I was like, man, this is a lot better. It's a good, it's a pretty good set list. You know, as long as you don't mind hearing book of souls songs. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It wouldn't be one that I would go to. Yeah. Um, what I sought out for years was like a quality YouTube video of the 2006 tour, but also I think it was like the 2014 when they did rock and Rio then mm-hmm. like there was where they kind of really mixed in some songs cause they were free of albums. And I've been able to kind of find a lot of those. I don't know about you. Yeah. I've, yeah. There's I've some good ones for faces. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some good ones yeah, for a matter of life and death. So yeah, for sure. And I love going back to those and kind of recreated it. In my, so even though, like you said, wish I would have been at that show or in your case, you were at that show. Just wish you would have been mm-hmm. more in the moment. Yeah. We can go back a little bit and jam it on our TVs. Like I'm a big concert video fan yeah like it's not the same you know of sure. course uh but to me like it's it's pretty damn good oh yeah <laughs> you know? and i've watched legacy of the beast a few times you know and I'll, i've watched the new Jetsu songs they play um a few times as well so for me like thank god it's there but it's not the same thing whatsoever. oh yeah well the good thing is is um because you got into iron maiden when you did Back in let's say what you said around 2018, that they were just about to be on a tour cycle, so you actually have gotten to see the band again live since the last time you saw yes. them in '92, I guess. Yeah, crazy. It took me so long. Uh, it could have. Ha- it could have. You know, almost people's whole lives had happened in the interspersed time. <laughs> yeah, 2019 when I saw them here in Los Angeles. Um, at an outdoor arena that I also have seen Guns N' Roses at recently, but that was an amazing, that was Legacy of the Beast. Yeah. 2019 tour. And again, it was the first time they had been in Los Angeles 
in many, many years. Mm -hmm. They had been other places around. I think they've been to San Diego too. So it was really great. And that show was packed. And the young people, and I'm not just talking about young people whose parents brought them. Yeah. I'm talking about like 20 year olds who can decide what they want to do for themselves were there. Yeah. That really, and I'm in LA with a lot of Hispanics. They, not all Hispanics, but many fans of Iron Maiden are Hispanic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Latino in Los Angeles. And so the crowd was really all ages, and it was amazing. It wasn't just old metalheads dragging their kids along <laughs> or, or bringing their kids to like, hey, I'm going to expose you to this. Exactly. I've seen that in other shows, by the way. Um, so, no, it was absolutely a great experience. Um, and, and I think you and I are different in one respect. I love to go to setlist.fm and know what's exactly – and, of course, uh, they don't yeah. change their set list. Yeah, maybe. So you're not going to be surprised. Yeah. So you're not going to be surprised. Um, so I knew the set list and I could sort of time my bathroom breaks, things like that. But I was on the floor um, and I made a mistake because I was on the floor in a seat, but you're kind of behind these like poles or like the area where they mix the soundboard, uh -huh. which you got to watch out for that stuff. Concert goers, you think you're on the floor, but you might actually be staring at the back of like a mixing board table for an hour, for three hours, you know? <laughs> but, um, so yeah, but, but I still got to see and see and experience everything, yeah. you know, really well, but I didn't feel like the show I'm going to go to, which again, this, this may, um, air um, after we've already been to these shows, I'm going to be in the what they call the pit, standing room only, yeah. general admission area of the floor, which wasn't an option at the last show I went to, I believe, um, in 2019, but it is in 2022. And I'll be there. I can't wait. That's really cool. Yeah, and I definitely... I like to have excitement and of not knowing what's going to happen at the show. I've already kind of... You know, doing, doing a podcast is really, really, really hard now because... <laughs> because I see a lot of just, you know, nothing. I don't get, I'm not privy to any, you know, back info or anything like that, but just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter all, all the time with, and I see stuff there, people post stuff and you don't know when you're going to run across something. And it, it, you know, so I know a little bit about the, the new set list. I haven't, I don't talk about it on here. I will talk about the set list on here after I go to a show, which I'll be going to a show gotcha. in, in about three weeks, actually, I guess three weeks. Nice. Uh, so, um, now, um, okay. But you 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 prefer not to know like the the beats of the, the set list, like yeah, rather, absolutely. Ideally, ideally, if nobody ever talked about it, there was no videos whatsoever. You would like to show up completely cold. Yes. When I went and cold. saw Legacy of the Beast, I they were promoting it, and this is I was before I did the podcast, so they, they were promoting it. And I remember I was on Twitter and I saw some stuff, and I I was like, okay, I'm not going to look at Twitter. I, I, I Facebook, I unfollowed Iron Maiden on Facebook and I was just like, I don't want to know. Cause I had seen something that indicated that they were going to play flight of Icarus and, you know, flight of Icarus mm -hmm. at that point hadn't been played since the, yeah. the, um, gosh, since the power slave tour, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. So I was yeah. like, Oh man. So now I know something that's going to be there. You know, you, I, I think I'd already seen a picture of the aces high thing, the plane. And I was just like, yeah. And so I kind of knew that too. And I just was like, man, I don't want to know this. So when I went in, uh, I did not know that they were going to play where Eagles dare. I didn't know they were going to play for the greater good of God. I didn't know they were going to play uh sign of the cross or, um, uh, the other one. Lord of the flies. No, they didn't not Lord of the flies. Um, the other one, uh, the Klansman. Um, there you go. Yeah, I didn't know that they were going to, you know, of course you knew they were going to play the Trooper and Number of the Beast and uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name. And yeah. you knew there were certain things coming, but but I got enough surprises 
Like, like I can remember when they started playing for the greater good of God and they started, like I was really, I was ecstatic to hear sign of the cross and the Klansman live just because there's such crowd participation songs. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I just, it was, it was, I loved it so much. Just not knowing what was going to be played. I just, it, I love, I like it. It, it reminded me because I was like, when I saw them on the very first time I ever saw them, I didn't know what they were going to play. I didn't know if they were going to open with Moonshot. I just knew here comes Iron Maiden. And, and, and uh, it was, yeah, I would, I would yeah, the definitely. The newspaper didn't tell us in advance. You couldn't read the newspaper and find out what they were going to play yeah. before they played it. <laughs> yeah. Or what happened in the show before you with Albuquerque. Yeah, you couldn't look it up like the day before and go, okay, oh, they played that last night. Okay, oh, they changed it. They're going to do this song now. So. Yeah. I respect that. We're totally different. I love to know. I just saw Robert Plant last week with a Allison Krauss. Uh-huh. The only reason I went is because I saw he was doing a couple of Led Zeppelin songs. Okay, okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to go. Um, then I saw – so I'm a big fan of that. Um, but again, I'm, I'm just sort of one of those guys who like, just wants sure, to sure. all the time. <laughs> no surprises whatsoever. But I do think with the tour, one of the reasons I think they pick the songs they do now – a, they have production assigned sure. to them, you know, things like that. But these really long songs that have really long interludes, I think, gives Bruce a chance sure. to slow down. Absolutely. Because I would ask myself, why are they playing the Klansman when they could play three other songs instead of that one? Yeah. Because those three other songs, he'd be singing his brains out, mm-hmm. whereas the Klansman or whatever, he's got like a two-minute part. We can go back in and, you know, whatever he's got to do. And so I get that. Um, you know, yes, I wish they would play, you know um, – uh, you know, see a madness all of a sudden. Oh yeah, it'll take three minutes. Why can't they play it? Why won't they play that instead of this? I get it. Yeah. You know, that's just who they are now. Um, they can't sing. You know, uh, thirty songs. You know, all, right. all in three right. hours. You know, they can do they can do fifteen songs in, in two hours. Yeah. You know, instead, and they're going to choose what they're going to do. Yeah, I will say this too, um, because my last two Iron Maiden experiences were the polar opposites. The, the Book of Souls tour, I knew the whole set list. Like I just, mm. I had seen it all, you know, I really wasn't thinking about it as much. I wasn't thinking, okay, I really am going to consciously not learn it. And I can remember there was a point where at the, they were on the encore and they played something and this guy was talking to me and he goes, oh, this is going to be the last song. And I remember I looked at him and said, no, they're playing Wasted Years Next. <gasps> like, wow. And and I thought about that because when you're the person that knows everything, you don't really think about it. And, and, yep. and I mean, I not, and that's not why, but I just, you know, it's, it wasn't, there wasn't an excitement to, okay. It was like, I knew, okay. Like I went and saw, um, Smith Cotson in, uh, Lo- mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. And I knew, I already knew he was playing wasted years. So it wasn't really yeah. that exciting when they came back for the encore and went into wasted <laughs> years. I was just kind of like, okay, honestly, that's the one song I really didn't care. I cared the least about hearing that night. I was just like, <laughs> you know, people are going crazy and banging their heads. I'm just kind of like, okay, it's an Iron Maiden song that I just am kind of, you know, kind of bored of. And, yeah. um, but okay. So yeah, it's funny. Yeah. There's two things I want to go over. First off, you sent me your, your list of your top albums yeah. and I want to go through, well, I want to ask you your, uh, because I think you, you have 12. got it up in front of me. You've got 12 albums here. I'm just trying to see, do you have everything on here that's a Bruce album? Is that what you have on here? I only did the Bruce album, so I reacted to the, the podcast you guys did where you only did the Bruce album. Okay. If you wanted me to, the Blaze would be at the bottom of those. Okay. Uh, actually, the, and, and the Paul would still, to me, there's no Paul album that's better. <sighs> sure. Mm, I'm with you. That, that's a different topic. I don't. 
honestly, no, I might say the first Iron Maiden album is better than Fear of the Dark and No Prayer for the Dying. I might say that one okay. because of the classics that have lived on. Sure, yeah. sure. But I, I did. I give you a list of the first albums. Okay, the only one you didn't include here is Senjutsu on here. So I don't know if you if you have that ranked. But... Yeah, let me think about that. Okay, I would put that. Don't tell me yet. Don't tell me yet because I want to go through. I want to go through your list just and kind of, and we'll just talk about them real quick here. Um, because you got at number twelve. I don't really. I already am not agreeing with this list, but um, uh, I, I, I'm close. I'm not too far away because. Yeah. yeah but yeah. you got no prayer for the dying at number twelve. Um, yeah. I would definitely put your number eleven at number twelve, which is Fear of the Dark. Ah. Fear of the Dark is better for me because of Afraid to Shoot Strangers okay. and the song Fear of the Dark, which I'm a little moved over on. I'm not as big, but I can't think of another a song of No Prayer for the Dying that I like as much as. Um, afraid to shoot strangers, which I came to okay. kind of late, by the way. That's okay. I didn't like it in '92. Yeah, it was more my sort of rebirth of Maiden, so that's why I put Fear the Dark higher than No Prayer for the Dying. That's all good. I mean, we, we all have our choices, you know. I mean, I just I think yep. it, as a whole, you know how you said you mentioned Brave New World and and Matter of Life and Death, and you said you think Brave New World has some better songs, but Matter of Life is a better album. I think No Prayer is a better album overall than Fear of the Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, there gotcha. might maybe, maybe a couple of better songs on Fear of the Dark, but. It is what it is. Maybe No Prayer broke my heart more because that was the time where I was like, oh, Maiden. Mm-hmm. Maiden. Sure. That's understandable, <laughs> yeah. too. And by the time Fear of the Dark came out, I had such diminished expectations that I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. But, yeah, they're, they're not too far apart. Okay. I'm definitely looking at your list while you're talking and seeing a few things that I definitely agree on. Like, like I feel like your list is kind of similar to what I would write. Yeah. You've got um, – at number 10, you've got Book of Souls. Which something's got to go there next. You start to look at the classic and everything else. And yeah, of all the albums with Bruce. Yeah. That we haven't talked about. I do think that's, that's certainly the one I would turn to the least. mm -hmm. The one I could, I I can't tell you the order of the songs that album. I couldn't go. Oh, number three is this. Yeah. I could do that too. It didn't hit it for me. And it's not one that I, and again, I think the overreaction from critics or my reaction to the critics may have played that. Yeah. yeah, I definitely don't think it's better than the ones that are going to come afterwards where, I think there's a couple songs that I really like. Really like from those. I don't disagree at all with that. With that placement, I, I would not rate that over any of the classic era albums. I wouldn't rate it over uh, any of the modern, you know, the 2004 albums. I would put it over Fear yep. of the Dark for sure. I would probably put No Prayer over Book of Souls though. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, That's a hot take. Yeah, and I'm doing this. I'm, I'm thinking this through on the fly here too. So Dance of Death is yep, next. Yep, yep. Um, I would say Dance is next. Yeah. I agree. I agree with Dance of Death over Book of Souls, uh, and I wouldn't put Dance of Death over any other classic era or nope. um new era album either. So it's got it's got passion though. And, and I actually love the song Dance of Death. I know oh, yeah. people don't I like I don't, it too. I like the little the little middle part, you know, it's like yeah. uh, what's space is dancing around to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I think it's a good <laughs> yeah. album. I think the tour video is pretty good too. Like I used to have that, or I have it somewhere. Mm-hmm. The video from that tour yeah. as well, and I, I like that very much. Oh yeah, the whole art art to that. Yeah. Then next, you've got the Final Frontier, which I think is a really good album. It's a really good album. If I, me looking at your list right now, I would put Final Frontier over one of your albums up there. I won't say which one yet, but I would put it over okay. one of them. I would not put it over. Number your number seven, which is Power Slave. I would have Power Slave higher, but I would. Yeah, I can understand. I that. know 
That's probably my hottest take is that I don't think Power Slave is as great as people think it is. Other than the four songs that everyone loves. Those four songs are pretty damn good, though. So they really overweight the album. But I think that big middle part of Power Slave, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it, it just doesn't do it for me. The two songs about fencing. <laughs> you know, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, I would skip them. Frankly. Wow, that is hot tech, yeah. I would do the, the first two, and then I'd go over the other side. And The song Power Slave, by the way, oh, yeah. I wish they would play that live. That's a fantastic so one. And the solo by Dave Murray in that is one of the best solos he's ever done. And it's not fast or crazy or anything like that. But yeah, yeah I put Power Slave there, and I know that's the height of their, their popularity in the U.S. in the 80s was Power Slave. Yeah. But I just say it's because of all the stuff they had done before. It's because of Number of Beasts and Peace of Mind leading up to that and the popularity of Aces High, the four songs that everyone talked about from Power Slave. But, but yeah, of the classic lineup or classic era, well, through with Adrian, it looks like, yeah, Power Slave is the lowest of all those, yeah, which I yeah. know not everyone would agree with. It's, I'll, you know, you, your point, I'll, I'll say, this is what I'll say about the point you made about the songs in the middle. Like, I love Flash of the Blade. I do think uh, Duelist is a good one, and I think Back in the Village is a good one, but they are definitely all overshadowed by mm-hmm. the, you know, Ace is High, Two Minutes, Power Slave, and Rhyme, so. Uh, yep. Next up, you have. I'm surprised you got this one this low, but uh, but I know. But I don't disagree I with it. it. I don't think I. I don't <laughs> think I disagree. But uh, you have somewhere in yeah. time at number six. I do, and it was just a song by song basis. Like I really looked at like mm-hmm. this album versus other albums. If one could stay and one had to go forever, like no one could ever hear it again, what would I choose? Mm-hmm. And in the choices of the remaining albums. I had to pick somewhere in time, even though I do think that's a desert island disc for me. But I think it's mostly because of the, the nostalgia of when I came into it. Mm-hmm. And there's some great songs in there. Don't get me wrong. Oh, sure. Uh, 100%. But yeah, I don't think it's as good cohesively song by song as the albums that I have ranked above. I would put four of your five remaining albums over somewhere in time as well. Um, okay. One of them being your number five, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. I would I think it's great. Definitely. Would. I don't think it's the best album. Um, as some people have yeah. kind of put it at their number one. Sure. I think it's become that, but I think if I compare some of the songs, to some of the other songs, I, I don't think it's there. I don't think, well, the concept was always sort of specious and, you know, whether, and I didn't care about, well, wait, I don't care about lyrics for the most part anyway. Yeah. I mean, I can remember some Iron Maiden lyrics. But I don't give that doesn't, isn't what gets me into the band. Sure. So whether they think about dinosaurs or clairvoyance, <laughs> okay with me. You know? yeah. But yeah, I thought Seven Son of Seven Son is, is good, but I don't think it's as good. And honestly, I'm yeah, I, the, you know, as you know, you can play with these every day. Yeah. And have a little bit different. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm. I don't even know if what I'm saying right now lines up with an episode I did two months ago <laughs> that tells where I put stuff. But I will say this: your Twitter followers will tell you. Kirsty sure. will know. Kirsty will know. Um, yes, the historian. Yes. Your number four, though, I would put yes. beneath your number five, six, seven, eight, and possibly nine. I don't, I don't know if I would I put it. it dude. I don't know if I would put it under Dance <laughs> of Death. I'm. You know what? No Prayer for the Dying I might like better. But it's hard to say because it's got some of their most wow. iconic songs. I'll say for sure below five, six, seven, and eight. Peace of yeah, mind, for though. What? Yep. I think. Look, and you guys just did episodes where you compared Peace of Mind to other albums, and the results weren't as crazy as you thought they were going to be. Sure, sure, sure. I think when you break down song by song, 
there are amazing the first side of that album where eagles dare revelations flight of icarus die with your boots on is amazing mm. yes still life quest of fire actually still life has kind of come back quest of fire sun steel not so great but there was a time a few years ago when i would argue to people that peace of mind was my favorite album yeah there's people that, there's people that say that beast only because of probably Flight of Icarus and a few of the other songs, but also I just think it starts so great, and you can just go through that first side. I think the only down part of that first side for me is Die With Your mm-hmm. Song, which I don't like as much as the others. Agree. But to me, everything about that that album, the imagery, the cover, the time it came in, the progression from Number of the Beast to Peace of Mind, which then led to Power Slave. Again, in my mind, I was seeing the progression. Yeah. I thought Peace of Mind was great. Um, and, and I used to say it was even better than Number of the Beast. I yeah. don't believe that currently. Definitely but I not. I used to yeah. say that. And I don't get why people don't like it as much. I know one of the guys who calls on your show really hates it. I forget his name. But he really hated Peace of Mind. So it was a piece of, tr- piece of trash. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I can't see that, man. Yeah. I cannot see that. So to me, no, it's a fantastic <laughs> album. It surprised me that I actually dropped it down to where I did. Okay, okay. Because if you would talked to me a year or two ago, I would have had it above number of the beast. I think there's some definitely iconic things on there, and lining them up song by song is obviously not the ideal way to say one album is yeah. better than the other. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's got the Trooper on it. It's got Revelations on it. It's got Flight of Icarus oh. on it. It's got uh, you know. But there's definitely some weaker songs, and it's like Andrew said a while back. Peace of mind has a uh, quest for fire. Therefore somewhere in time wins. <laughs> so uh, I get it, but, but I think power slave has more weaker songs in that middle stretch. No, than peace of mind does maybe just a peace of mind. Do, <laughs> do list. Of stuff. Look, do list is better here. I'll say this. Do, do list is better than quest for fire. I would say do list is better than sun and steel. I would say do list is better than die with your boots on. And that right there, I mean, might be right. it, it might not be it's not better than the trooper it's not better than revelations but i, I you know granted it, it, i think those songs are looked at a little lower the, the ones on power slave yep. just because they're surrounded by just like to me like i think power slave is kirsty even said that's her favorite iron maiden song bar that's her number one you know if you're yeah and that's and that's definitely it's a it's just a I can't. I'm not good at ranking the songs as number ones and through number whatever. But man, mm-hmm. Power Slave is just a perfect song. So, yes, it is. It's, it might be my favorite. Too. Yeah, it's you, fantastic. You played it on a day, and again, one that I wish they would play. You know, live more often, and or in the current. Session. They did play it on Book of Souls. I do remember that, and I yeah, was very happy right. about that. So, right. okay, so right. your number three, I definitely would put above everything you've got it above. Um, Brave New World. Oh, wait. You would... Okay, well, let's get back to that. Brave New World is an amazing album. When I went back, like I said, that mm-hmm. to, to that re-listens, I was just amazed by not only the songs I sort of knew, like Blood Brothers, mm-hmm. but the ones like Dream of Mirrors, mm-hmm. and then... Um, what are the last two songs? Thin Life Between Love and Hate. Out of the Silent songs Planet. Like that are just, um, yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. And so... There's actually a part of Out of the Silent Planet that reminds me of the, the band The Cure, which I think I told you I like, mm-hmm. when there's almost like acoustic song, okay. acoustic string going. So I think it's an amazing album. It's such a great comeback. It's such sophisticated songwriting, too. I actually know Blaze had a part to do with some of the songs. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I got to give him credit to that uh, as well. But I just think it's such a sophisticated album saying that they're back. They could have come out with, with basic trash. 
They could have come out with like just slop. They could have came out with Fear of the Dark is what you're saying. (laughs) They could have, and it probably would have done well because music had moved on to where we're ready to accept 80s bands again. Yeah. Again, I'm not calling them an 80s band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were viewed as an 80s band. So absolutely, Brave New World. And and there was a time I would have put that as my number one of the reunion albums. Oh, yeah. It's not my favorite of the reunion albums. Um, there's another one <laughs> so like better yeah um as a cohesive album i'll say this like looking at this list i said i would put over everything and i don't remember but i i mean i would say the two that would be up there close to it would be seventh son and power slave but um your number two is i totally agree with you on the fact that that is my favorite of the post 2000 or the 2000 era mm-hmm. uh, a matter of life and death um I I, yeah. I love that album. It's 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 hard. To, it's really hard because I love that album a lot. I love Brave New World a lot, and more lately, I've been kind of thinking of your number one a lot too as being better than I've given it credit for over the past you know little bit. So. <laughs> Me too, by the way. But just a real quick, a matter of life and death. That is an album that sometimes I don't. I don't necessarily pick individual songs from that, so it's kind of like an album list. It right? is, yeah. And I think that's why I merit it as a top album. Yeah. I think as a collection of songs, I'm more likely to put on Brave New World or or the the one that I have above that. But if I want to like listen to a statement by Iron Maiden mm-hmm. that, yes, has a point and a message and all that sort of stuff, a start to finish has a cohesive vibe, mm-hmm. it's a matter of life and death. I think that's the most cohesive album they've ever put out maybe with the exception of a different world i feel like that doesn't quite fit as well <laughs> in that album yeah but i think it's a very cohesive statement that they haven't done before or maybe seventh sun actually kind of had a little bit of cohesiveness to it it did but it argue. wasn't as cohesive yeah and, and certainly not since where they've kind of been you know a, a, a li- i won't say all over the place that sounds bad but they've been a little bit more diverse in their musical choices throughout yeah. the album they played a little too much with madness on seventh sun <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did um you were gonna ask me where I'd have put Senjutsu, or do you want me to get back to that? You can answer. The, yeah, you can one. answer that uh, after your number one. I'll just say, but yeah, okay. obviously, well, number one for me. Go ahead. Was number of the beast. Yeah, obviously, number yeah. of these. Well, but it wasn't obvious. See, I actually hated that I answered that, and I came through it through scientific analysis. Uh, uh, <laughs> but no, for years I was like, that's too obvious of an answer. Right. Like everybody's grandma, everybody's grandma would say, number "Everybody, one, yeah." The best I made out. But I came back to it. I was like, how can I? be such a you know smart ass that i'm going to like dismiss the power of these songs and yes there are two songs in that album that i don't listen to that much 100 percent. okay and by the way that song that everybody else likes total eclipse i don't like that song either okay i know people think of that as the missing song i actually think that song isn't that great oh wow so i'm actually okay. okay with what it is yeah i don't think that adds much to it to be honest with you um, I, I didn't know that album was the album it was supposed to be on the album until many years later. But yeah. Number of the Beast just is what it is. It's so iconic. You could put it on for anybody who's never heard Iron Maiden, and they're going to come away with reactions. But they're going to come away with stuff that I don't think they come away with from the album or albums. Sure. And that's not why I put it at number one, by the way. But I think it states to the it speaks to the iconic nature of it. Um, and I said earlier in this conversation, how does a band go from Killers? to number the beast mm-hmm. in one year with changing singers and all this other stuff. Yeah. The level of sophistication in songwriting is amazing. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to a song like Hallowed Be Thy Name, that is one of the best metal songs ever yeah. put to date. Ever. Absolutely. And so you start to analyze it. You start to go, well, crap. I think number the beast is my favorite. <laughs> it's the best Iron Man. It's now. really good. It's Bruce Dickinson. 
it's hard to argue against it as much as I kind of wanted to. Mm-hmm. And like I said, for years, I put peace of mind there. I think for a little bit, I might have even put like somewhere in time there, like when I was younger. But I think it is number of the beast. Will it always be number of the beast for me? I don't know, but I find it hard to not be just because it stood, you know, 40 years now on all this sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm looking at your list and I don't even know where I would put um, <laughs> Senjutsu. I mean, it, 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 it would, I think it would be in the middle somewhere. I don't know that it would be, I don't think I would put it over a matter of life and death or brave new world. Uh, no. Um, so I don't know where it would be. I don't know. It, it's still, well, I would put it over final frontier for me. And again, okay. I haven't been back to Senjutsu as much as I need to, yeah, same but here. I was so happy when that album came out and it sounded like it did. I, I was worried it was going to be something it wasn't. I was worried writing on the wall was literally <laughs> the writing on the wall for the whole album. And <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. I was really worried they're going to go down this country rock sort of like thing. <laughs> um, but then when I saw the, the I think we, we saw it early on, the, the length of the songs. So I knew they're going to be really long songs, mm-hmm. but I was still worried. Yeah. Like they could be all over the place, but I thought, I still think that album is so fantastic. It's really blew my doors off. So I think, I think I'd put it above final frontier okay. above dance of death, above book of soul, but not above somewhere in time, power slaves, seventh son, peace of mind, brave new world, matter life, death. So in the middle ish, um, certainly of the new collection of albums, dead in the middle, I think, or maybe even actually a little bit toward the top, probably. Of the yeah, they've had, it's tough, man. Um, it's tough. Era. Yeah, it, it's very tough. But but I, to me, let me just say about Senjutsu, as a guitar player, these guys, and I'm not a great guitar player, by the way, but these guys are really at their peak. Yeah. And a song like Hell and Earth and The Parchment, I think The Parchment has like seven guitars on this. Yeah. And they alternate. It is amazing. <laughs> um, and just there's emotion in that album, too. Um, the song, uh, but don't forget the name of the song now, uh, Lost in the Lost World. Yeah. At the end of that, uh, the end of that, that where it slows down and Bruce is sort of singing in a way that I don't think he's sung very often. Right. Before. He's like almost like, it's almost like he's singing like an Irish lullaby or something. It's very emotional. That, yes. And I just think it, the whole album is that. And sonically, I think it was really well produced. I think it sounds better than uh, Book of Souls. Yes. Um, I just think it's a better collection of songs, too. Way better. Um, I think having less songs helps, even though they're longer, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. I think having less to chew on, like, okay, this is song four. I get it. And it might go. It might sound like three different songs, but I think that's a better choice for them. Um, and, yeah, I, I definitely, definitely love it. And I have such vivid memories of when it came out. I listen to it immediately on Spotify. Living in the West Coast, albums come out at 9 p.m. my time, Ooh. midnight New York. So at 9 p.m. on that Thursday night, I could listen to it. And it's full on Spotify through my TV. And I, I had bought um, uh, Thai food, Thai noodles, and I sat there about chowing it down, looking to send, listening to Senjitsu. What's funny when you watch on Spotify on TV is it's a photo of the band. Mm-hmm. And they had updated the photo that night. So it was that newer one with them standing against sort of like the, yeah I think the Japanese architecture. Because before that, it was a different picture. So basically for 80 minutes, I'm sitting there looking at the picture of the band. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't matter to me. Like I was like, this is fantastic. Excuse my language. This is great. Yeah. And I wish there would have been like an emergency podcast by some of the midnight that night to analyze. Like I was, I went to Twitter and I like look for any place I could talk about this album with people because 
this was the first new album with Maiden that I was all in for. Oh yeah. I wasn't all in for Book of Souls and all that. So for me, this launch date was like the launch date. Yeah. You know, as if it, it, same thing with whatever, if they come with another album, I'm all in. Oh yeah. I'm going to take the next day off of work if I can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand. And so it was a great experience. Cause I had the same time. That, that's the experience I kind of had with Book of Souls is even though I, my, my listening to it wasn't exactly the right when it was released. I had to drive my family somewhere and, for five hours I had, oh. I had the entire album. I had it uploaded onto my phone and I had the CD with me. I had everything. And I was just like, I don't want to play it on this five hour drive because what if someone needs to stop and go to the bathroom in the middle of a song and then I'm interrupting. I wanted it to just be old school, sit somewhere, listen all the way through the same way I would have listened to, to somewhere in time, you know, back in 86 or whatever. And yeah, so exactly. that's a really cool experience to have. And, um, Oh yeah. And then I had the CD coming the next day. Yeah. So I had pre-ordered, you know, the actual physical CD. The only band I'm still buying physical CDs from, by the way, is I made because the artwork and the collection. If you remember this one came out like sort of like a larger, like almost like a DVD box. The little book, of, but, yeah, know? that little book thing. Yeah. 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 So I did buy that version of it. And I remember seeing like um, you know, the Amazon delivery truck is three stops away from me. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting excited. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm gonna listen. I don't know why I thought it would sound different. Yeah. I think in my head I thought the CD sounds better, but it just sounded great. And then from that moment on, you know, for the next month, I was listening to that album pretty consistently yeah. and, you know, craving to talk to people about it. And, and, and unfortunately, the friends I have who still like metal, they like more new metal. Sure. Or if they like, they're only going to go back to certain old stuff. To them, they're just not there. So finding like a podcast, well, I knew about your podcast, but hearing your podcast and others, it just brings that to life. Oh right? yeah. Like it, even if I'm not on the podcast, I'm just hearing it's it. It's like you're in a conversation. Just, yeah, exactly. And that's what we want, you know? And, uh, and I just think, and I'd be curious to hear a younger person's reaction to it. Like somebody who maybe came into Iron Maiden in the two thousands, like, are they, did they, what do they think about that album? But for me, it hit all the right notes. It wasn't a throwback to like 1986. It also wasn't some radical, crazy, weird new direction mm -hmm. they were trying out. Yeah, it wasn't Bruce going raspy. All the things <laughs> that I was worried about, you know. Yeah, um, they're going to do, you know, the country song, whatever. It just wasn't that, and so I think they're humming on all cylinders. And, and the idea that they recorded that album sort of in secret during the Legacy of the Beast tour, yeah. And I, I believe correctly, they didn't really rehearse these together that much until they kind of came together. Yeah. And I was worried about, that was the other thing I was worried about, reading the articles about the production. Like, oh, you know, we kind of came in and we jammed out. I'm like, oh no, this is going to be like really bad songs, like really indulgent. Yeah. There's no producer. It's Steve Harris letting whatever happen, happen. Yeah. And there might be a little bit of that in there, but, it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not critiquing it, you know, for that because I think it really hit on all the cylinders. Oh yeah, you're right, um, you're completely. right. And the funny thing is, I did have a couple of my metal ex metalhead friends or whatever call me when Writing on the Wall came on to say, "Hey, I heard that on the radio." Dang, like that blew my mind because I don't listen to FM radio very much. Mm -hmm. The fact Writing on the, the Wall is the first main song I've ever heard my friends talk about in 20 years mm -hmm. who aren't Maiden fans. Yeah, yeah, it told me something, you know, that like, wow, the world's prime for these guys. They're selling out, yeah. you know, um, and it isn't just because of nostalgia and the t-shirts are cool. It oh, more yeah, absolutely. That. Okay. So I have one final question for you and it's a, uh, it's a rapid fire 17 Go. part question. So you may, you may have to skip some parts of it if you know what I mean, okay. but um, I'm going to ask you 
to name your favorite song from each Iron Maiden album. So wow. if you don't know, and this it's rapid fire, so usually it's it's whatever the first thing that comes into your head. I mean, obviously, if I say Number of the Beast and you think Gangland, then you know you can rethink that. But um, <laughs> but you know if if uh, That's the answer, yeah. But you know we'll get to we'll go through all seventeen albums and uh, let's do it, man. I can't wait. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull these up so I can remember everything about them. Yeah. So okay. Well, so we will obviously and we're gonna go in chronological order from from Paul yep. from Paul Diano to Bruce to Blaze to Bruce again. So. And if you don't have an answer, if you say, "Look, I just don't like anything," then that's fine too. You can, or you you can pass if you want to. But uh, I bet I'm going to get most of these. Okay. Okay. So we'll start with the self-titled album, Iron Maiden. What you got? Phantom of the Opera. Okay, I can dig that. They need to play that live again. Yeah, I can dig that for sure. What about uh, Killers? Ooh, what is the song that goes? That's one of the. That might be Prodigal Son. That could be Prodigal. Could be. Uh, I'm not. That's one of the ones I'm not as familiar with. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna say that for the sake of continuing, I'm gonna say Wrathchild because I just think that's still a banger. Okay. of a song. Okay, so uh, obviously, Number of the Beast. Hallowed be thy name. Can't argue with that. Uh, no, classic. Peace of mind. <laughs> I'm torn between Flight of Icarus and Revelations here, but I'm going to go with Flight of Icarus because that is the first song I heard by Iron Maiden. Okay, okay. I would have said Trooper on that one, but that's okay. You would, yeah. Oh, wow. I think I, I think the Trooper is one it's of bad rap. It's just oh no, I think it's just one of their best songs. I never ever ever get sick of listening to it. I just mm. I, I I like Flight of Icarus, and see, I think that says something. Because like I, I'm with you on that. I mean, that's definitely the first thing I heard. So that's a special one too. So um, Revelations is close to me, and that and oh that yeah, might be one for you. But I think that is such a it's a great one. song. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So next up is Power Slave. <laughs> the song Power Slave. That's hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Somewhere in time. Ooh, now this is tougher because I love all these songs so much. I want to say Sea of Madness because it's, mm. it's actually five minutes and 45 seconds. I didn't realize it was that long. I was going to say it's really quick. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting solo. It has some unique vocals, so they don't play it live. Mm-hmm. I, I would have said that or Alexander the Great, but I, I've dimmed on Alexander the Great after hearing more podcasts about the lyrics and, <laughs> and thinking about it a bit more. Yeah. It's fine. It actually helped me learn about history. Yeah, same here. You know, yeah. My answer would be my answer would have been Sea of Madness. That's a it is sea of Madness. great call. I love that song. Uh, seventh Son of a Seventh Son. I still think it's the evil me- that men do, which was a big single for the, or a single yeah. from that summer of '88. But I would also, if I didn't say that, I would say Infinite Dreams. Okay, okay, both good calls. Um, no prayer. Now we get some tough areas. No prayer for Chip when he heard this album. <laughs> yeah, this one's tough because I, I don't remember each one of these songs individually. So maybe I can't do this one as well. Um, I don't think Tailgunner is that great. Okay. Maybe the song No Prayer for the Dying isn't that bad, if I remember correctly. Yeah, this one I might have to pass on. Okay, okay. Uh, correct answers could have been No Prayer for the Dying or Mother Russia <laughs> for me. Um, what about... Yeah, gotcha. I think I got you. That that's okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. What about... Uh, yep. You know, I, I do a podcast because I like to talk, so, <laughs> so I just... What about Fear of the Dark? No worries, man. Yeah, no problem. Afraid to Shoot Strangers. Okay. 
that is a great song. And I've even heard the Blaze version of that song, which I still like, too. Okay, cool, cool. Speaking of Blaze... Oh, if you're going to ask me the next two albums, yeah, those I can't help you with too much. Okay. I guess I would have to say Sign of the Cross okay. off of uh, The X Factor, because I've heard that song a few times. And off of Virtual X, or Virtual 11. Yeah. Oof. I guess it would be the Klansmen, but those sound so boring of answers because the ones they still play live. Sure, sure. It is what it is for me. Yeah. So now I think it gets a little more difficult with this next album, Brave New World. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say Dream of Mirrors, but if only you could take out that first minute where it's like... You don't like that? Have you ever felt... Da-da? No. Oh, I, As a matter of fact... I used to hate that. That's so funny. I don't like it. To me, like I, if I was to play the song for a friend, I almost would want him to hear that. <laughs> I just think it starts so great. Dude, I used to, I really used to dislike that, and then one day I listened to it, and it was just like I loved it. One day it just hit me. I just loved the intro for some reason. So that might hit me too at some point, Steve. I might get there. Maybe you'll listen to it when you hang up, and you'll go, "He's right." <laughs> you know what? That actually makes the song what it is. That idiot in Texas is right about something here. Exactly. Okay, so so you said um, you said not Dream of Mirrors. So um, I'm breaking. No, I just said Dream of Mirrors would be it, but I would take the first little. Bit. Oh, okay. I do think that's my favorite song on the album. Oh wow. Okay. Um, close. Yeah, no. I mean, look. I think it starts off great. Wicker Man is great. Ghost in Everday is great. Yeah. Um, I, I would say Thin Line Between Love and Hate is a great closer, but I can't say it's my favorite song okay. on the album. I would like go back to and listen. Okay. I would choose either thin line or I would choose uh, out of the silent planet. I think among, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no real wrong choices on, I mean, um, nomad is fantastic too. So, but, uh, okay. It's funny, I used to not like that song. Cause they'll no. Yeah. Some people I don't like that. that. So silly, but, but I love it. Now. Oh yeah. And it's got a great guitar sound to it too. Very middle Eastern. Yeah. It's got that. It's got that like two minute bit from the song by, um, Crap! What's the the band that they ripped off when they did a uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name and uh, Oh God, I don't remember them either. But yeah. Um, hold on a second here. What is the name of that band? Uh, 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 shoot, I can't even think of the name of the song now. <laughs> oh gosh, um, I'll find it here uh, while we're talking. But um, they're gonna see you. No, 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 no. They they already sued. They already sued Iron Maiden. So the Iron Maiden, oh, yeah, yeah. Iron Maiden Beckett. It's called Beckett. The band is Beckett, and the song is Life's Shadow. I mean, there is a note-for-note rendition almost from wow. from Nomad. If you listen to that song called Life's Shadow by Beckett, I mean, look, Iron Maiden did it better, but there's this. I mean, there's a yeah. bit in that song that is. I mean, it's it's just almost note-for-note note what Iron Maiden plays in this song, um, and some of the lyrics from Hallowed Be Thy Name come from that song too. So, mm-hmm. um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Dance of Death. Yeah, it's going to be the title song for me. Okay. I, 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 and honestly, what got me into it was watching the live performance from the Dance of Death video. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really good. I, I, I get that people kind of joked about the song, some of the lyrics, and some of the like the hoedown part, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you want to call that sort of stuff. But I also think, look, that album has some great ones. The one that grew on me that I never thought I'd like was Montsevier. Really? It's a great song. Yeah, it, it got to me, and again, it's about some history, obviously. Yeah. But I would say beyond that, I think "No More Lies" is a great song mm, that yeah. they could bring back in rotation um, live, and I think it would go over really well. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. 
I would love for a lot of these uh, new albums to be represented yeah. more, but it's hard because they've got Same. such a catalog. You know, it's just hard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's why I'm just thankful we have those live albums. Um, what's next? A matter of life and death. Okay, this is tough because the song I'm going to pick as my favorite is not a is not one that you would think of as like a single or anything whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The legacy, Ooh, the yeah. final song. That is a, that song is so cool. Yes. It's got, I think was your podcast that was talking about they had like almost like a Black Sabbath riff in the middle of that song, Could and be. it's like super dark compared to where they've been. And it just ends the album in such a way, and it does have keyboards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it wasn't a single whatsoever. The reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg was a single, mm-hmm. and I liked that song quite a bit. It got me into that matter of life and death. Um, but I would say the legacy is probably the one that I would most want to see them play live. If I could see them play a live song from that, from that album. Yeah. I would say, um, I don't really, for me, it doesn't have to be a single for it to be great. I, I, there's so many great deep yep. cuts that, that Iron Maiden has that, yeah, it doesn't even matter if it's a, uh, if it's, um, one of those or not. So, but let's see, we got three more. We got, um, final frontier. Final frontier. This one is is. I think I'm going to say today. I'm going to say Starblind. Ooh yeah. And I know most people talk about Isle of Avalon and Talisman, and those are good songs. Mm-hmm. But Starblind is an amazing yes, song. Yes, I agree. It's got almost like a um, um, uh, classic rock vibe in the middle of it with a different riff. Mm-hmm. It's got a great, tasty Adrian solo to it. Um, I just think it's a super great song. Um, and just real quick, I want to say the talisman that comes after it. Mm-hmm. To me, I think the legacy is almost a precursor to the talisman. Mm. It almost starts the same. It almost sounds like a, a bunch of pirates singing like an old shanty mm-hmm. about to go out to sea. But then the, the legacy goes in a different place. But I feel like it was almost a blueprint for what they came up with, the talisman, yeah. which is a great song. And I know you guys did your top three songs, you know, from every top three. Sorry, three songs in a row that, that are rule yeah. from each album. And I think the comp for me, and I think it was Matthew might have said this or, or Kirsty, Isle of Avalon, Starblind, and Talisman. Yeah, they both they both said that. Triple. Yeah. I said I think you were the other three. Yeah, I said I said Starblind, Talisman, and um who the man who would be king. king. Yeah. Gotcha. So they're all good. So Yep. Next up is uh the Book of Souls. Of Souls. My my latter favorite of those. This one, I think I might actually say Death or Glory, okay. which is a shorter song. Mm-hmm. It gets the point. It has a good attitude. Um, <laughs> from when I remember good solos, it's not you know, it's not as involved as the Red and the Black, which is 13 mm-hmm. minutes and has some cool stuff to it. Sure. Not a great chorus. I think you agree with me on that one. Yeah. Uh, the Red and the Black chorus is kind of goes to your place. So I think my answer to that would be Death or Glory. Okay. And then the final album, Senjutsu. Yeah, man. This one, okay. Um, we talked a little length about this. I think currently, I would say Hell on Earth. I think it is such an amazing yeah. statement. And I don't want this to happen, but if Iron Maiden never put out another album of new material, mm-hmm. and that was the final song on the final album, man, does it stand. Yeah, what a so way I, to go out. You're not a playlist guy, but if I was making a playlist, and that was the last song on my Maiden playlist, mm-hmm. I'd be ready to go right back to the beginning and start all over again. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a great song. My second favorite would be Lost in the Lost World. I think that is just a song that is unique unique to what Maiden has put out. And um, and I think more people should talk about it. <laughs> and I wish they played it live. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Absolutely, me too. Well, man, I think we've covered Iron Maiden oh from front to back all the way around. So I will say, <laughs> I want to tell you, man, A, 
I'm glad you sent your story in, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and do this. Oh, dude. So fun. Can I leave you with one last thing I wanted to say? I think this is funny. Yeah. When the song um, Can I Play With Madness came out, I used to play music for my mom. And I remember her going, oh, it's a really nice message that they're saying to kids. I'm like, what? She goes, isn't that song Please Don't Play With Matches? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom, it's, it's telling kids to not play with matches. Yeah, that's what this <laughs> band is singing about. <laughs> <laughs> but she thought it was a really nice thing. And I used to quiz my mom, like, do you know who this is? And she would know the difference between Ozzy and Iron Maiden. But yeah, yeah do not play. Please don't play with matches. That's hilarious, dude. <laughs> no, <match up. laughs> that is hilarious. Well, thank you again, though. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Uncle Steve. I love your show. Thanks for having me on. We spent a lot of time together. Thanks for letting me tell my whole life story and my maiden story in particular. Yeah. I think you and I are on the same page on many, many things. But we had some, we had some also some quality conversation disagreements too. So, absolutely, thank you, thank yes, you, yes, sir. Suffocation, winking in a sweat, scared to fall asleep. All right. Well, there you have it. I hope that you enjoyed Chip's story. I know we had a lot of fun chatting on the phone. Uh, Chip's a really cool dude. He's also a Patreon person too, man. So thank you very much for that, Chip. I've already told you thank you, but why not do it publicly as well? Anyways, um, after that's all said and done, I really do, like I said, hope you enjoyed his story. Every one of these stories is fun to do. Every one of these stories is unique and different. Even if you think that... Eh, my story is not very interesting. You know, go listen to my story. My story is not very interesting to me, but you know, they're all interesting. There's unique things. It's like meeting somebody at a concert and just having a cool conversation, which got to, I got to do yesterday. So with all that said, on behalf of myself, on behalf of chip from iron maiden, from Eddie, And from the boys, good.